God damn you, McLeish, you sick son of a bitch. I don't know what your fucking plan is, but you have gone too far this time, sir. That film can suck my fucking duke. podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is Basil Ween 2022 episode number one. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. That is right. We are back fulfilling our contractual annual obligation of bringing you a hefty dose of the Baz talking horror in only the way that the Baz can. Now, I've mentioned his name twice, and if we know anything about movies, like Beetlejuice, for example, if I mention it again, he will arrive. So let's see if that is true. He would be the man. He would be the myth. He would be the legend. He would be the Baz. Dola, sexy 2022 bitches. <laughs> Ooh-ah! What you can't see is I have a hand signal for this year's one. Which Duncan is loving, I can uh, tell. It's amazing. It's, uh, this is one day we'll move into the uh, the audio visual spectrum, and then they'll be able to drink it in. But until that yeah, time, well, it's just. Tell them I post it on the gram <laughs> at some point. Papow. Oh man, why do we keep doing this to ourselves, Baz? Why Who do we keep? Knows, going man? Who knows? I'm just. Uh, this is midway through August. I think this is possibly the earliest we've ever fucking pulled one out the bag. Earliest, and I would say still about three weeks behind when we originally thought we would have recorded the first one. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, yeah. This was supposed to be done weeks ago. <laughs> oh, I was talking to Dave about it, our, our, our big sexy friend, Dave, and he was like, He's like, ah, but he's recording. He's recording me this week. I was like, ah, he's recording me this week. So we'll have the first one in the bag. You know, at the, at the midway point of August, 
There's only five episodes, so there's four left to go. Uh, I was like, and I guarantee the week before the last episode drops, we'll still be needing to record. <laughs> yes, 100%, man. Give it. I sent you, to like, give you a peek behind the curtains, <sighs> folk. I sent Duncan a text uh, the other week saying, you know, I've, um, I've nearly finished my notes for the first movie. We'll get that done this week. And then I'll do my notes for the next one at the start of the following week. Get it done at the end of this. This is now the end of the second week, and this is us just about to start recording. I literally fell at the first hurdle. I think the problem is we plan. I think our, our problem is we plan. Yeah. I think we should never plan. I think what we should just do is just let... I think, as uh, Jeff Goldblum would say, life finds a way. Podcasting life finds a way. Um, and interestingly, we, we only finally settled on what we were doing <laughs> on the long drive up to Aviemore. On a stag do for one certain Liam, yeah, of Scott and Liam versus Evil, and I'm also and sure we're that still shooting ideas about in the car at that we point. Literally, we'd, we a couple of months before that, we were like, we'll get a locked in early this year. I mean, the the, the franchise was locked in early. We, we yeah. talked about that towards the end of the previous Bazoween. We were yes. talking about maybe doing Romero, yeah. maybe doing um, something else, and then I was like that. Well, the Romero, if we're doing the Dead films, there's too many of them. There's six. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Or six worthy of note. Um, and then I was like, Phantasm's an easy five. You know, it's in and done. You know, I've recently covered it, so it'd be good for you to tick it off the list and get it out of the way. Let's just do that. And then the second idea was one that, like you say, we ended up on a, a drive up and back from Aviemore uh, for, for Liam's stag and it is bubbled to fruition with a list I am mighty proud of. It's better than the original sort of spitballing ideas that we had for what potential titles we could use. I think there's only two in there from the original thing but the, essentially the first movie that you're going to get in all five of these episodes is a folk horror movie from a different territory of the world. Um, and that's the exciting bit. That on this episode, we're starting in North America. Um, but over the next coming weeks, we'll be doing Europe, the UK, Asia, and South America. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Which, for somebody who loathes both travel and foreign people, <laughs> it was an odd choice. I wouldn't lie. <laughs> um, no, I, I did. I, I really liked the idea when it came up. I liked the idea of folk horror. Weirdly, folk horror is a genre that has grown on me hmm. over the, the years I've been on the podcast. To the point, I can't really think of one that I have watched that I didn't like. Yeah. In one way or another. Um, but I like the idea of the well, let's take it around the world. That's the whole point of folk horror, is it's. You know, it relates to a particular ethnicity or a particular part of the world or something like that, and it harks back to their early ages, if you like, in some kind of way. A lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and I, I really dug that idea, but I didn't really have a clue where to start yeah. um, in, in terms of the movies. So the movies are pretty much entirely yours. I think there was a first draft. There was, yeah. That yeah. I, You'd seen I a few on. I had seen a couple of yeah. them. And that kind of sent you away. But the second list that you can back with is, is what we are running with. Yeah, it's a, it's a thumping um, good one. We're, we really are. We're picking, I would say, some of the... And we're not just, like, it's not just folk horror as, like, just as a one style of movie all the way through. We really are getting completely different styles of cinema. Yes. Uh, and yeah, that's, yeah. that's the exciting thing. Starting off on this episode with Eyes of Fire, and uh, next episode which we'll be dropping in a couple of days, um, 
we're looking at November, which is a black and white art house movie from fucking Estonia. Estonia um, couldn't yeah. be any different if it fucking tried. Uh, but we will be going through, you know, that we'll be going through uh, Blood and Satan's Claw, which is one of the the big three of folk horror. Um, and we'll also be tackling The Wailing, which I know you've had on your, your radar for a while. Yeah, yeah, that. And actually, when I went back and did my research in November as well, they were both on my watch list, I think, mm-hmm. on Amazon Prime. Yep. And have been for quite a long time. And just, I don't know... It, I never really go back to Amazon to my watch list to get through. You know, I'll see a film, I'll stick that in my watch list. And I very rarely go back to it. I'm tending to watch too much other stuff. <laughs> um, so they've, they've been on there like for a good couple of years now, I think. Yeah. You know, um, you'll be able to tick them right off. And then yeah, finally, yeah. for South America, we're doing Ludz, The Flower of Evil, um, which will be first time watch for me as well. Uh, so... Oh, I, I got right, completely I muddled up. Once again, I completely got muddled up. There is another film that came out the same year called Luz, which is a German movie. Um, and I was like that. Maybe it was a South American movie, but they spoke German. I know, like, uh, some people from uh, the lot, German... A lot of them had... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of immigration <laughs> over there <laughs> at one point in time. 1945, I believe. <laughs> uh, so, so I just assumed that well, I was like, it must be, it must be funneled, money funneled from there and all the rest, but not at all. Um, doing a bit of a deep dive in this one, it totally seems like a Duncan movie, which could go either way for you. So... <laughs> Always. Uh, so yeah, and then we're doubling them up, like I say, with the Phantasm movies, each episode covering one of the Phantasm movies in order. This very first episode, we are doing Eyes of Fire, representing North America and Phantasm, the original from 1979. Now, for those that listen to the summer series, uh, they will know that on the 79 episode, Phantasm was going head-to-head with The Brood. For the final spot, so it was Cronenberg versus Coscarelli, two fucking masters of horror, one space left, and a fear and just system. Me and Andy Blockley, six years ago, would not have picked Tourist Trap uh, to lock that second spot there, um, but we did, and we have to we, we have to play with the cards we're dealt, even if we deal them ourselves. And uh, yeah, I, we've not recorded that yet. I don't record it until Sunday after this recording so i don't know if phantasm has made it through or if the brood made it through now i'm gonna i'm gonna do something i don't usually do i'm gonna try and babe ruth this right i'm gonna try and call it so this could go horribly wrong and i won't edit it out baz i'm gonna tell you what i predict will win over over uh the the show into the third spot and i'm gonna say this because like every time like since i was a kid and i saw the movie for the first time it creep me out and it continues to do so i'm calling the brood for winner of that third spot so if i'm wrong you can all point at me and laugh when this episode drops um which will be like about three or four days after so oh of course i yeah yeah i'm forgetting that this will come out after that yeah it's basically that i think it's the same week i think if memory serves like summer series finishes the the nines finish on the Friday and this episode drops on the Saturday so there ain't no fucking we close one door we open another one and then we just power on because that's what we do on podcasts under the stairs but I'm calling the brood so it will have happened in this week of recording that you're listening to Um, I'm calling it and if I'm wrong I'm going to have egg in my face I will say one thing though Um, the listeners out there are probably saying Duncan 
we've listened to the start of this episode and yet you have not addressed what happened right at the very start. Um, out of the blue, a couple of weeks ago, I got a, a WhatsApp message and I was like, oh, this is an audio one from the Baz. Baz never sent. Baz never sends me audio messages. I've, I've never sent anybody an audio message until yeah. that. My <laughs> wife does it all the time and I think it's the weirdest thing in the fucking world. I'm the same. I'm, I'm, like, I'd like, I'd, I'd, I'm like, at what point... Does someone go? It's just easier just to talk. No, it's not. It's like easier to type, right? Mm-hmm. Now it's just type. Uh, so I press play in it. The the actual message has played at the start of this episode. However, Baz, in that message, you did not mention the movie. So those <laughs> comments are attributed to one of the two movies tonight, and the listeners will have to listen to the entirety of this episode to work out how it fits and I'm very 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 excited uh, your message completely confused me um, I was like what's he done <laughs> I was like what evil game uh, what? It, so. it, was, it, was just, it was just pure spiteful hate that's probably how I even forgot the name of the goddamn movie I was talking to you about I was just so full of fucking rage <laughs> oh man I'm looking forward to this um, now as it stands just now you you and I are we're going to be doing the cinema runs there's loads of stuff coming out uh, shitloads of things just going on in general uh, anything of note you want to mention at the start of this episode of something that you've seen that you're like you know what it'd be cool to spend two minutes uh, telling the peeps out there how awesome this is or are you like kind of like I am barely getting through what I have to get through just now Duncan do not make me try and think of anything else uh, a bit of both, to be quite <laughs> honest. Um, I've got a pile of fucking Blu-rays that I've still to get through that I've just not... I've specifically... I bought it, or, or wasn't, was it my daughter, I think, bought me it for Father's Day. She bought me the original Amityville horror, which I have not seen any of the Amityville movies. And I've specifically left it out. It's not away in the big chest of doom. It's yeah. literally <laughs> sitting out, so I see it. And I nearly watched it yesterday. I was like, no, I need to finish this fucking thing for Duncan. <laughs> so I've still not watched that. Do you know, one film, though, that I did happen across mm-hmm. and it rang a wee bell. I thought, I'm going to watch that. And I actually had quite a sexy wee time with it. Ooh. was um, a film called Strangeland. Oh, the found footage one? No. The D. No. Snyder one? The D. Snyder oh, one. Oh, shit, yeah. Big My D. man D was in it. Um, it's, it's, a know what? it's a fun it's movie. It's a fun movie. It's a fun film. I really quite enjoyed it. it it's it's dated a little now, yeah. just with the early nineties or something. It is like early nineties, yeah, yeah. Because um, obviously, but Big D's gone a bit alternative looking at this point in time. Because yeah. um, everybody thought that was the way to go in '92 <laughs> or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, no, a surprisingly decent wee film, actually. Um, and I was quite glad I enjoyed it, because I just I love D. Snyder, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I sat watching all his fucking House of Representatives thing, you know, when he went up against the Oh, yeah, where, where, where they, they genuinely thought there was a Luddite in front of them and he fucking tore into them. Yeah, yeah they tore the, them to fucking shreds. It's man. amazing. Uh, <laughs> it's brilliant to watch. I sat watching all that the other day on YouTube. I love D. Snyder. I don't mind Twisted Sister. I wouldn't say I was any kind of super fan of theirs. Yeah. I've got to say, but you know, for that that era, they were they did their thing and they were very good showmen. Nobody yes. can ever take that away, and that clearly translated over quite well. I mean, I maybe wouldn't line them up to play King Lear or anything like that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But for the role they played, 
won a million miles away from his stage persona and yeah. stuff like that. And you know, and he delivered it really well. I so think... yeah, a lot of fun with that. That's on a in the UK. That's on Amazon Prime. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, where it can be streamed for free. So uh, yeah, if, if nobody's not seen that, check that out. It's a good laugh. Ah, yeah, it's a ton of fun. It's a ton of fun. Uh, I've not seen it in fucking years. Uh, so yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I might go back and check that out over the weekend, actually. Uh, just as an excuse not to watch things that I should be watching. Um, yeah, absolutely. Which I do. Talking I just... of which, here's the second and final thing I'll talk about before we, Ooh, we dip the tip <laughs> into the American frontier. Um, and Duncan is not even aware of this at this point. The last show I did... Yes. We said that the next Baz's Backdoor Cinema was going to be... Oh, yeah. Um, Birth of a Nation. Yes. Uh, the D.W. Griffiths cinematic epic from the early 1900s. That will not be happening anytime soon. <laughs> and not for the reasons you probably think it shouldn't be done. Just for the fact I never realised it's three hours long. It's three hours long, yeah. I remember us chatting and you were like... I don't have time to watch half-hour programmes that I want yeah. to watch at the moment. And we're now body well not body. The the kind of hairs on the underside of the tent are <laughs> dipping into the waters of Basoine twenty twenty two. So no. The the next It's a uh, long, long movie. And the thing is as well, it's 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 silent, so Yeah, it's a silent fucking movie. Yeah. I I, I I'm going to say we will do it one day. Yes. But it's not going to be the next Baz's back door cinema. That'll be some <laughs> piece of trash yeah. that go to the cinema <laughs> soon, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll put that as a with the right circumstances, given the right amount of time, we can come back and and pick it off. Um, Absolutely. Which is interesting because uh, we, I was recording with Bo and uh, Bo's going back through school at the moment. Um, no, no. And uh, he had done it for his one of his classes, and that was the first oh. time he'd seen it. Uh-huh. And I'm like, why me uh, over here? I have seen this movie and someone like you, Bo, who is like an American cinephile, have not. Um, and he he came away with a, a what I would argue would be very close approximation of what our sort of conversation would be and it, like uh-huh. understanding its historical importance, but uh, maybe condemning its message just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like so, yeah absolutely. Uh, so yeah, that's that's somewhere down the line. Baz, we've got so much stuff to do. So, so much stuff. So little time. And with that, let's get into it, shall we? We will be doing the first feature of every one of these episodes looking at a folk horror movie from around the globe. I picked North America and I picked Eyes of Fire from 1983 as our first one. So we're going to take a very first break just now. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear one of Bazzi's curated songs, by the way. I forgot. Remember, you have to curate a song for each of these movies. Um, part of Halloween, big man. So he's going to curate a song for Eyes of Fire. When we return, we're going to be discussing that movie right after this.
It was a time of witchcraft. Of hangings. Of horror. Of magic. They were outcasts on a desperate voyage to the promised land. What they found was a terrifying world. Lost in a forest far from home. In a valley none would enter. That tree says that this valley is where the lost blood gathers. It's the home of the devil. The secret is sleeping in the trees. Welcome back, ladies and gents. You've just heard the trailer for Eyes of Fire. Now, for those that are interested in this movie, it is currently streaming just now on Shudder. Yes. So, yeah, and a very good copy of it as well on Shudder. So, no excuse not to go and check it out. And that is both in the UK and in the States. Uh, this one is directed by Avery Cruancy. Cruancy? Cruancy. Um, Nailed it. Yeah, nailed. fucking nailed it. It's one of those three. That um, was his name in three different languages. You may not have realised that, folks. <laughs> subtle, subtle differences. Uh, he also wrote it, that Avery Cunt. Uh, Avery Cunt, that's his new name. Uh, the movie stars Dennis Lipscomb, uh, Guy Boyd, Rebecca Stanley, Sally Klein, Carleen Crockett, Fran Ryan, Rob Paulson. His name is Robert Paulson. Name is Robert. Sorry, I'm I'm, I'm fight clubbing it. Uh, Kerry Sherman, Caitlin Baldwin, Erin Buchanan, Will here, and some other folks are in this one here. Synopsis for the movie is: A preacher is accused of adultery, and he and his followers are chased out of the town. They become stranded in an isolated forest, which is haunted by the spirits of long dead Native Americans. Ah, uh, yeah, kind of. It's kind of, but there's other shit. Um, it's a very, 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 very superficial sort of synopsis, but it'll do. And if any of that wet your whistle, then you should go and check it out. Um, I chose this one primarily because I recently saw this. So I saw this like towards the end of last year for the first time. Um, oh. Yes. So this one came in as part of the of all the things that haunt or whatever it's called, giant folk horror box set. 
that um, was it Sit Severin put out uh, that I spent a mini fortune on for myself because I'm worth it. Um, and <laughs> it's got. <laughs> It literally has like a, oh, it's about sixteen or seventeen folk horror movies. Little, hard to get ones anyway. But Eyes of Fire oh. was one in there, um, and I, I knew by reputation. It's one of those movies that you, very difficult to track a good copy of it. And then the copy I believe that's in the Blu-ray is the one that's on Shudder at the moment. So you're seeing the remaster. So after seeing it, I was like, you know, this is fucking awesome. Um, I'm going to pick this one here to represent. North America. I could have went down other roads. To be honest, a few of them you've already seen, so it's kind of like, uh, what we're going to do here. The logical choice would have been the witch. That's the ah, the perfect yeah. choice. But we've seen that, Baz. We have, and this is not a million miles away from it. One could argue. One could argue that maybe, maybe it kind of it sets the stage in some capacity. Um, I'm curious on this one because. It does deal with a time frame that you're interested in, specifically. Yes. Um, and there's there's some stuff in here that I thought might be very Baz. There was other stuff in here where I was like, that. well, that's not necessarily aged well, so I don't know how the Baz is going to take this. So we could do all the, the, the you know, the bog licking that we want here. We can get right into it and gobble them. So I think let's just gobble them. Let's get them in there. Uh, we'll Marlon Brando it. Hello, better family. Um, and we're going to do Eyes of... I don't know. It was a terrible Marlon Brando. Don't even laugh. Don't, Why are you laughing at me? Why are you laughing, laughing at, at you? <laughs> oh, oh. What, the, what are we doing here? Already at the first hurdle. Uh, right, Baz. The ladies and gents out there, the listeners, the peeps, the family, they want to know what you made of Eyes of Fire. Strap up, bitches. Strap up. Um, yeah, just to back up what Duncan was saying, actually, all of the films um, in this year's Bazooine 2022, so that's all five Phantasm films and all five um, folk horror movies that we have picked are available on, I think it's, they're all on the UK Shudder yep. and or Prime. Yep. Um, and my, my Shudder subscription is, is through, done through Prime. Annoyingly, one of them is only available for some reason on the actual Shudder app and not in the Prime channel, but that, that's fucking by the by. So basically, <laughs> this is the first year I've not had to go and spend a small fortune um, buying all the movies myself. You're which welcome. I, which I do like to do. I no, know, I know, I know but, you do. I know you do, but then I was thinking about this. This is not the same as Duncan Picks 4, you know, or 5. Tentpole uh, classics of the horror genre that any self-respecting horror fan should fucking own. This is yeah. Duncan wading into territory that he is genuinely unsure how you're going to cope with. And I want you to spend a mini fortune on things that you end up hating me for. Yeah, and the problem is my sickness has grown now and it's that way. I don't like buying DVDs really anymore. I mean, I will. I'm not like you. I'm not that fucking anal, but... Hey, easy now, yet. There's a yet I, in there. Um, I, I much prefer Blu-rays. And, and some of them, in fact, I think... I, I did look them up just out of interest. I think Eyes of Fire to get on Blu-ray is the best part of 30 quid in this country. Yeah. And that might even be a region import which obviously because I've got my player now, I can look into kind of things, so it's not yeah. even to say that if you don't have that, you can get thing. Yes. So they are all available to stream for, not for free, but with subscriptions um, in the UK. Uh, so Eyes of Fire, um, yes. never heard of it. Um, mm-hmm. 
before you hit me with the list, um, it was a, a complete new one to me, although it's not a new film by any means. The late se- late 70s, I believe. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's film late 70s, released early 80s. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah but, but as you say, so it, it's set in uh, the sort of very early colonial times, a pre-revolutionary war in the States, and mm-hmm. then all that early American history. Uh, I'm a big fan of it. I, you know, I have a lot of interest in it. I, I enjoy learning about that period. And it's a period in time, I think, personally, that lends itself very well to this kind of mysticism. Um, I'm kind of halfway through the, the latest last podcast in the left series at the moment, which is the Salem Witch Trials, very which, of good. course, ties in here. Um, so that, that's piqued my interest and tied in very nicely with this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for the film itself, yeah, so it's, you know, you can tell you're watching an older film. It doesn't look like it was filmed yesterday, but, um, yeah, I don't know anything about versions or releases, but it was a nice, easy watch for me on, on the, you know, the, the big big screen TV. Mm-hmm. It's clearly a very good rendering of the film um, yeah. that's available now, and certainly the one that's on Shudder over here. Um, yeah, it's pretty decent to watch. I've got to say. So, I think the cinematography no for the time was really good. I think that's yeah, what makes yeah. it, I think that's what makes it transfer well. So, you know, it's well yeah. shot, it's well lit, that sort of thing. You can you can transfer stuff into 4K all you want, but if the originals or the original shit. negatives are shit, um, then I mean all you all you have is well rendered shit. That's no, um, not sharper looking shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, eyes are fire. It opens in the American frontier, 1750. Just mere years before Baz was born. (laughs) (laughs) A filthy Frenchman Uh enters a log cabin. Right, easy there. So inside we have a few soldiers, a clerk, and three rather repressed looking kids. Yeah. He asks them who they are and where their parents are. In a very alo alo esque French accent, <laughs> as to be said, I do not think he was a Frenchman. <laughs> um, but, but so when they ask what happens, the oldest girl uh, just basically says something. So we don't know anything at yes. this point. You know, he goes into this cabin. They get these children are already there, kind of under guard, um, and the oldest girl just says it was magic and that they almost died in the valley where the devil witch lives. Mm. Uh, or Rothsey, as it's called nowadays. You behave. <laughs> behave. <laughs> right, we're not starting this again. Oh my God. That's one for young Chris. <laughs> um, and then goes on to say that they were saved by Leah, who is the queen of the forest, apparently, pressure. Now, under some pressure, probably a threatened rape by the Frenchman. The eldest starts to narrate Could have been the guillotine. I mean, we could have went down that road. No, it has to be threatened rape. Sodomites. (laughs) Um, So the the eldest of these kids then starts to tell the story. So basically, they were living in a place called Dalton's Ferry. Uh, Their father was away on a trapping expedition. Mm Mm-hmm. So their uh, extremely horny mother Babe. <laughs> hooked up with a local ponytail sporting preacher 
who interestingly also doubled as a very early Steven Seagal tribute act. <laughs> he may have been his stunt double. He may have went through He's, a couple uh, of tables. <laughs> yeah, there's multiple nicknames for him in here, but one of them is Colonial Seagal. <laughs> um, he also lives with a girl called Leah, who I'm assuming is the Leah that saved them all because she's the queen of the forest. Queen of the forest. Um... <laughs> It sounds like the worst Yankee candle ever. Absolutely, man. It just smells of sweaty judo suits. And moss. Because it's the colonial. In a flashback, we meet her over horny maw. Uh, and this old guy who warns them that a, a lynch mob is coming mm-hmm. and then rather interestingly find out the narrator is called Fanny. And when I was doing my initial oh, notes on the phone, I, I was able... I fucking knew it. I knew you were going to focus on that. Hyper-focus. Oh, in my original notes that I did on my phone, uh, I, did, I used a little smirking emoji. <laughs> At that point, but unfortunately, it got lost in translation and emailed it to myself. But it's still there in my head. <laughs> In case our American listeners don't know, Fanny is the other side for your Fanny. Yeah, it's the front um, bottom. Yeah, the front so. bottom. Uh, Leah Gibble. Fucking mental. Yeah. Um, she's got a vision of the ponytail, though, getting hung. Uh, and then she starts speaking in tongues. Um, Colonial, Colonial Seagal rises from his bed looking surprisingly smug at the prospect of being hung. Mm. It has to be said. Well, why don't you look more worried, mate? He's he's one of those guys that like a strangle wank, clearly. Ah, clearly. Fucking clearly. <laughs> anyway, the, the puritanical mob burst in and drag him off to the barn for a bit of good old-fashioned frontier justice, sir. Yeah, no no judge, no jury, just justice. Just a goddamn rope. <laughs> That's it. Just bring back that and the butch. What? Uh, <laughs> what? You Why didn't watch Birth of a Nation? While all this is happening, the old guy that we met earlier runs off, and I've just written in brackets, through the night apparently. Yeah. Because <laughs> he gets to another house in the middle of the day. Um. Uh, and he goes there to round up the world's most pussy-whipped farmer. Now, you're probably wondering why I'm able to say that word. I mean, now that you've mentioned it, I'm kind of curious at how that came out without a wind. In the same way that I can say pussycat. Right, so it's when you remove... Ah. On its own, don't work for the baz. Anyway, moving on from that, we meet him. And his mewling shrew of a wife. <laughs> and that's one of my favourite adjectives that I have never used before. What, mewling? Mewling. Yeah. Mewling shrew. Um, and the, the, <laughs> my next line. Honestly, my notes for this are fucking poetry. The cuck races off to help amidst a taunt of emasculating abuse from his wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
back at the barn. <laughs> they, they string Colonial Seagal up. But not before he Frenchies Eloise the, the horny maw. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just one last time. It's not like he's just slipping him a blade with a tongue or anything like that either. It's literally just to fucking get it right up them. <laughs> um, but as as he hangs though, Mental Leah uses her magic sparky powers to break the rope. Um, just as the world's, the world's <laughs> oldest rescue posse bursts in. Most of them are in their 80s. Do you know what I mean? Most of them in the 80s just like a big stick. Yeah. <laughs> Which they were leaning on as the end and have now raised as a weapon. Um, regardless, the entire barn surrender to them and Colonial Seagal gives a very patronising sermon before basically just stealing everything that's not fucking nailed down. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a bit of a weird one, isn't he? Oh, he's an absolute cunt of a human being. <laughs> Now, <laughs> interestingly, listening to the synopsis that you read, which I'm assuming came from IMDb. Yes, it did. Is how they were run out of town. Yeah. No, they no, weren't. No, no, no. They tied no. everybody up in a barn and stole everything they owned. Yeah, I mean, you would say they, they hustled and robbed a town. Strong arm the town. Basically, yeah, and they then stole their raft, which yep. was their only means of transportation, Plus, it comes with its own onboard harpist. Yeah. <laughs> now, I would not even know where to get one of them nowadays. Never mind in 1750. You know what I mean? That's a niche market for transportation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fucking hell. At first, I thought it was one of those figurehead things that they had at the front of pirate ships. Oh, fuck. Nope. Just a wee oh. bird with a heart. Oh, really a chicken on the end of a pole. Yep. The chi- I'm going to come back to the chickens <laughs> quite a lot in this, actually. Anyway, they've nicked this raft with onboard harpist and they sail down the river into Indian territory. Do you think when they put uh, the chicken on the pole and they waved it at the time when they were going by, it was interpreted as they don't give a cluck? <laughs> I'll do the jokes. That's the only reason you have me on the show. Just leave the jokes to me, okay? Honestly, this is how bad things are. I honestly almost didn't get through that without laughing. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't give a cluck. (laughs) Screw you, mother clucker. (laughs) (laughs) Maggot farming son of a bitch. (laughs) Um... And, you know, at this point, and I will come back to this later on as well, this is uncannily like the story of the founding of the Mormon church, to be quite honest. Uh-huh. Oh, granted, granted, it is less aliens, yep. magic books, and substantially more seagoing chickens. Yes. Right. Yes. Barring that, <laughs> practically the same. We're briefly introduced to Mary, uh, Fanny's dad, Marion. Yes, it's a bad name. His name's Marion. It's a bad name. Good enough for John Wayne, which it wasn't, because James's name is John. James <laughs> anyway, Barry looks like Grizzly Adams, but a bit more cuckolded. Second time I've used that word. And a, and a, an angry old lady basically tells him his wife's a fucking whore, uh, and in response to that, he eats a squirrel. He does. Mmm. <laughs> nothing like good old tasty 
chewy, stringy, rabbit-infested squirrel. Fucking tree rats, exactly. Back in the raft, though. Fucking Colonial Seagal can't read his Bible for all of the scantily dressed redheads that are trying to felch him. Oh, man, he's... <laughs> Honestly! <laughs> fucking French, like man. It's like a seagull strip joint with chickens and harps. The weirdest raft in the whole of fucking colonial America. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Leah starts fucking about with her magic powers again, which invo- that invokes surprisingly little response from a raft full of Puritans. Oh, that has to be said. Spend stuff about with our mind. <laughs> you know what I mean? God. Anyway, at this point, Seagal claims that he <laughs> saved her as a... It broke me. Chickens and hops. Um, yeah, and this bit is kind of important. Uh, Seagal, at this point, claims that he had rescued <laughs> Leah after her mother was burned as a witch. Yes. Um, Leah then is this vision of the old fella mm-hmm. uh, getting shot with a rat, uh, an arrow. Yeah, it's basically um, a final destination. <laughs> it is, but unfortunately, her vision happens slightly less than a second before they get shot with the arrow yep. so there's not really much she can do with this no. do you know what I mean except see it twice <laughs> yeah basically I. and to be fair if he wasn't sitting in the front of the fucking boat in a rocking chair yeah. it might have been less than a well that's the other thing that you never mentioned is his fucking rocking chair on the, the raft honestly <laughs> the spittoon at his feet Um. They come, they come under attack from the banks by these strangers who we don't really know anything about. Yeah. But they, they shoot uh, they shoot a lot of cabbages mm-hmm. and henpecked Henry's wanking hand takes a bit of bullet as well. Um, gives you a hole to put it through, I suppose. <laughs> um, but colonial, then the, uh, colonial flashlight. Colonial flashlight, that's right. That's right, sir. <laughs> A bloody bone splinter bullet <laughs> That ain't ripped for any cunt's pleasure, let me tell you. <laughs> Anyways, um, but it's okay because Leah saves them all by flashing a magic badge at their assailants. <laughs> Literally just, uh, tragically she doesn't lift the shirt to actually give them a strategy or badge. But that, that is basically her, her defence mechanisms to stand at the front like a fucking 70s porn Jesus. Um, <laughs> rather callously they then leave the old dead guy on the raft with some scarecrows so that their attackers follow that. Well, the rest of them head off into the, the woods on foot. Are you okay, Duncan? Jesus! Oh, Jesus! Oh man, this is not where I thought this was going to go. Things take an even weirder turn. The sorry that whiskey went down the wrong way, and now I sound like fucking muddy waters. <laughs> 
Christ almighty. Oh, oh you make it through this. Uh, oh, the heels off my lips. This is too much. Uh, oof. So they've set off and put through the woods, but it's not long before the attackers catch up with them. But they're saved by the serial killer from the Poughkeepsie tapes, who comes riding out the woods on a donkey. Plague mask and all. Jesus returning from Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. That's that oddly like this scene, by the way. Um, turns out it's just marrying the cup. Uh, he's pals with the Indians, but not the French cunts that they're with. No, 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 no. Uh, and he shoots them all with a revolver, which would be invented for about another 90 years or so. Let's not pull at that thread. Can't pull at that thread and then watch Vikings, which I watched. Abs- absolutely not. Entirely absolutely. that season, they like that. Oh, they founded England. I was like, they found England like 100 years before that and had trading routes with them. So why are we pretending that England hadn't... Uh, a conversation for a different time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we fanny's delighted to see her dad. Um, Randy Eloise, less so. Yeah, she's... Uh, she's got some explaining to do. She does, she does, because she's been a bad bitch. <laughs> um, Leah finds a clearing in the woods that's covered in feathers for no apparent reason. Uh, we made Marion there thinks it's some kind of warning. Yes. And that, that's why the Indians won't follow them. The Indians were leaving a message saying, don't go the clock in there. Um, you you fucking wrote all this down when you watched this film, didn't I'm you? I'm literally not. This no. show's going to be littered with your tragic puns, isn't it? You've ruined it already. I, I just, they're just coming to me, Baz. Just coming to me. Just like, <laughs> in the, they're in the ether. <laughs> Oh, God. That's the last one, I promise. (laughs) Fingers crossed. (laughs) Um, Now, I like this bit. As they're walking through the woods, Leah comes across this tree and it appears to have wooden faces carved into it. That's cool detail. The way way they reveal this, the, the visuals of the tree are brilliant and the reveal is very good because they're actually on screen before you notice them. Yep. And then your attention is drawn to them. Go, oh my god, I've never seen that. Really good. And, and th- these uh, kind of faces in the trees feature quite heavily uh, in the latter parts of the movie. Um, yep. And it's a great, great visual. Uh, works really well. And I'm not ruining anything I'm going to say later on. The, the special effects in this movie are not great. Right, uh, no, uh, this movie had know, I mean, a fucking non-budget, and this is 1983. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I'm going to state right now that the problems with the special effects do not take away from this movie for me. You know, you're watching no. a film that's very clearly 30-odd, 40 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, bad special effects, I'm not got a problem with. But this, the, the use of these, uh, the faces and the trees can be done very well because obviously they're carved um, and are very very effective so it's a, a fantastic use of the resources to give a very creepy effect yep. uh, which as I say is used just quite sparingly through the film but to excellent effect so I, I really like that um, I made a big note there to, to mention that because I was a huge fan of that I've got to say um, 
They then arrive at a kind of secluded valley where they discover some ruined cabins. Probably sell home. I mean, of course, like, if I see ruined cabins in this time period, I'm like, free house? Basically. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty much what they are. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sitting um, there thinking, why are these houses, why are these structures empty now? Well, I mean, in fairness, up to this point, I've got my wife living in a hole in the ground. It's true. It's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. With yep. a bucket to bail out the rain. <laughs> so, yeah, this is fucking pretty astounding. Good luck. Um, and in the woods around them, we see more of these trees and the faces kind of thing. Uh, Maid Marion then tells Fanny that uh, the feathery tree is a devil tree. And um, oh, starts kind of babbling on about the devil and the circle of life. Fucking, it's boring. Nobody cares. Uh, basically, upshot is he reckons this valley is kind of the home uh, of the devil. Yeah. All the while, Fanny is sitting roasting what her father tells her is a rabbit, but is clearly a cat. <laughs> uh, you're eating a cat. <laughs> um, <laughs> the next morning, when they're still asleep, some manky wee natives in need of a right good wash come creeping yeah. in. Now, I will. I I used a nickname for them later on in this. And after about the second or third use of it, I realised that it was wildly racist. Right. It's still in my notes. <laughs> I'm hoping to skirt over it. Because I came up with a better, far less offensive one later on. Okay. I will maybe explain why I came up... I'm just going to see... I'm, I'm drawing attention to my own failings. I'm going to yeah. move on. Um... We natives, covered in mud. They, they clearly need a wash. Uh, and I kind of panic, they chase them off, but the fucking Randy Rev, he decides what they need is a right good Christianising. I mean, yeah. That's, that's a, all that's wrong. Taylor's old as no, time, Baz. No, it's not, Rev. What they need is soap. Soap and hot running water. Well, let's just put it like this way, knowing the, the, the church... I mean, let's not go any further than that. If all he's well, wanted to, no. to do is baptise them. Well, see, this is my problem, because the Randy Rev, he does not strike me as a particular Christian man, and I've just written here, he's probably just hoping to pump any of them that are in possession <laughs> of a vagine. Uh, Maid Marion says that the Shawnee Indians, who I think are like the native... Uh, tribe or yeah. race of, of Native Americans. So I do use the term Indians because it's used in the film. Yes. I, I do understand it's not really the derogueur these days. Yes. Uh, so I will attempt to call them Native Americans as much as I can. But basically the Shawnee will not come into the valley because of the ones that are already there, i.e. these little fucking dirty looking ones. Mm. Um, he then tells Fanny that they need to get the fuck out. Get the clock out of this place. Doesn't want to leave. The more you see it, the funnier it gets. It's hilarious. Like, I stand by my initial laugh. My initial laugh was on point. Um, She doesn't want to go, though, because of her mum. He has a wee chat about why you're more so obsessed with the old pious dick, as it were. (laughs) Um, 
The old Jesus dick. Eh. <laughs> uh, later that night, Leah sees some ghostly figures fucking about in the tree line, mm-hmm. screaming unintelligible fish. Uh, although I do think later on we find that it was French. Yes. So, unintelligible fish. But next morning, they find a wee kid hidden under a pile of furs. And interestingly, that's what French people do with their children. They just leave them in fields. <laughs> um, the, the old Randy Rev there, uh, he gets very excited because he believes that this child is a gift from the, the Native Americans. Uh, and he literally cannot wait to baptise her, which I assume is colonial American code for molest. <laughs> You know what I mean? Get rid of those first fairly. She's about three years old. I can't even. Right, you, what are you doing? Oh, oh God! Uh, Leah freaks out though, uh, and then she has a vision of this girl, and I've just written here as like a wee fire-eyed demon. It's, it's these are the eyes of fire that the film is, is yes. called after. It's kind of like cat's eyes, you know, with that kind of oval. Reminded pupil. me of. Um, remember the X Men. Movies. Oh uh, yes. I can't Night remember. Uh, yes, yeah, the yeah, the one yeah, that like zips through. Yeah, yeah, K- yeah. kind of reminded me of that. Um, I'm glad that's... that you could like that. With that, that, I was pulling a reference for a character that I don't know for something that I don't know anything about, and that's why you're here, Baz. The reference actually worked as well, more surprisingly. So well done. <laughs> <laughs> Clocking um... you, man. Uh, right, let's do this. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say cluck you, but I'm not I'm going to say fuck you. Fuck you. Um, yeah, so she's got these kind of glowing, fiery cat eyes, yeah. and her face is black, and I don't mean African American, I mean like scorched. Black kind of yeah, thing. yeah, like yeah, scorched. Yeah. It, looks, it looks like scorched grimmed. Yeah. Um, the old Randy Rev. Then gets basically all the old people out to dig a garden. Yeah, he's um, killing them off. While he fucking struts about quoting the Bible. Yeah, he's like, he's like get a, let's work these old people to the, It's like that scene from... What is it? Is it a... It's Happy Gilmore, isn't it? Where he's... It's, it's, ha, it's, it's Happy's Gil, Happy Gilmore where he has to put his gran in a home. Uh, and Ben Stiller's the nurse. And she's like, can I trouble you for a warm glass of milk? And he's like, you can trouble me for a warm glass of shut the hell up. <laughs> and then he, he, he turns around and they're all doing, they're all, they're all doing like needling work. So he's basically got them knitting sweaters, right? It's like a sweatshop thing. And one old woman goes, she's like, excuse me, um, can I stop please? My fingers hurt. He's like, oh, your fingers hurt? Well, your back's gonna hurt. You just pulled garden duty. And he's just go out and fucking dig her. It's a great movie. You should go and watch it. Um, but yeah, as somebody who is currently trying to find a nursing home for their mother, I'm probably not going to watch that fucking. Don't scene. watch that scene. Skip past it. Just go at the golf bit. All I feel like I don't need to watch it anymore because you explained it quite graphically. All in the hips. It's all in the hips. Um, yeah, that like <coughs> he that, he sends oh, them all out there. Fucking quit. You can't quit. <laughs> like I'm supposed to quit. This is, what? What's happening? Uh, right, yeah. So anyway, he's got them all. Di- he's got them all digging their own graves. Got them digging the garden. The old graves. lady has this kind of vision of a creature in the earth. Um, 
Elsewhere made Marion find some figures carved on a broken stone tablet because it turns out that they're pitched up on Oak Island. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mewling Shrew translates it from the French. Uh, it's basically a journal from the previous group who'd entered this valley. So they're the ones whose kind of cabins that they're yeah. now living in. Looks like shit went real bad. And not just because they were French. Why? Why? Um, Why, but Too garlic heavy, their diet. They're too garlic heavy. Too garlic heavy. <laughs> for, for that time. You know, oh, right, right, yeah, for the time. When you're having to shit into your hand. Uh, Leah has some more... Uh, <laughs> some more visions, uh, but this time it's of this French party. And for some fucking reason... I have written in brackets, Zutalo! <laughs> Don't even know why. That makes sense. Just did it. She also sees a dark robed figure holding an unconscious girl. Danny goes missing. We've all been there. <laughs> um, we've all had dry periods. Made Marion heads into the woods looking for her. <laughs> Uh, sees a group of people painted white and then when they disappear <laughs> Don't do that Fanny's just <laughs> lying on the ground why did you have to call her Fanny <laughs> um, oh god just in the next line of my notes the next morning we get a gratuitous shot of Fanny's tits <laughs> and annoyingly it's not even Fanny's tits it's Leah's tits yep I think I just wanted to write Fanny's tits. <laughs> and then she summed up in the Pishin Rain, which was weird. Uh, yeah, this is the weird bit. The manky folk run in in the middle of a storm. So the manky folk are this, these kind of. The ones, they're washed. Around them. Yeah. yeah. Why did I not think of that? That's why I'm here. That's a much I'm not more... all chicken based jokes, Baz. No, no, all chicken based humour, Duncan. Yeah, I've found your calling, sir. <laughs> the unwashed. Yep. That's fucking great, because that's what we call Celtic fans where I come from right as well. Now. So that, that just doubles down Spin on it. Spin it back. Um, they run in and they just steal all the Rev's books. Um, he's pissed off by this, by the way. He's not very happy at all. Well, he's more furious. pissed off shortly. Yep. Uh, one of the other kids says something about Leah being an Irish fairy. Some of them... Is it Leah? Like, some of them have kind of very bad Irish accents. Yes. Clearly implying that they've, I don't know, like fled the famine or something like that in Ireland at the time and come straight from there. Um, uh, Leah then takes Maid Marion into the woods to show him the secret sleeping in the trees, which is a term that she uses. Uh, he tries to chop down a tree. This brings Fanny out of coma. Um, she then recounts what's happening to her. Uh, and we finally see this witch that they talk about. Yeah. It's almost like some kind of Sasquatchy type earth spirit. It's not like a witch in the common parlance. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's clearly a spirit of the the woods or the earth or yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that. 
Um, or a character from the Mighty Bush. And there are scenes later on that could be taken directly from the Mighty Bush to the point that I would be quite surprised <laughs> if has not seen this movie. It's a big horror fan, so... Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, the Randy Rev refuses to believe I said it's just a fever. But then the next morning, all the pages from the stolen books are scattered all over the camp, and that's when he loses his shit. He's, He's not, not happy. happy about that. I mean, these are the works of great people. The greatest minds of Europe. Yeah. Uh, why he has them, I don't know, but... No well, I suppose he's been, stealing, he's been stealing... He's the greatest cat burglar of all time. He's been stealing everything from everywhere. So That's true. That is very true, and I've lost my place in my notes, so just waffle inanely for a minute. I can waffle as long as it takes for Baz to find the notes that he needs to continue his doing his review on this episode. This Baz away. One of the kids is led into the woods. <laughs> by the wee native child who then disappears. Uh, they find the missing child hanging from like a crucifix type thing. Yeah. It's like she's been crucified almost. Oh no, sorry, it's not. She's hanging off. So there is a... When I say a crucifix like the one you would crucify somebody yeah, yeah. on, she is hanging upside down like tied by her ankles or something. Is that That's right? Yep. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. But she is alive. Um... Maid Marion is cutting down more trees when the mighty bush just pops up out a pile of leaves and then attacks them with her magical wind powers before sinking back into the ground. None of these effects are brilliant. <laughs> um, Ehot tails it back in the camp and begs his wife, ex-wife, I don't know, whatever you want to call her to get the fuck out, basically. Um... The mewling shrew then gets into an argument with Randy Rev, um, and in the chaos, uh, excuse me, it's far too late for this, Duncan. I need my bed. I've still got another half of this show to go. Um, the the week kind of baby witch one, the wee yep. native child um, lures. Uh, one, I think it's the Mewling Shrews kid out into the woods where we see, and uh, this is where I use this incredibly fucking racist name. <laughs> so I'm not even going to say it. Some of the naked, um, unwashed are sucking off a cow. <laughs> um, they are suckling milk from the teeth of the cow. Glad that, you, just, glad that you clarified that, yeah. I know, and just in my head, that cow was a bull yeah. and a wheel. Bird was sucking off. <laughs> <laughs> I should not go down this route. I should not go line, down is what that person said when they got the six in the note says it's surprisingly arousing. <laughs> Don't know why I wrote that. The unwashed chase her deeper into the woods and then Leah turns up, rescues her, turns the rain off. Um, we've now got division in the camp. So um, the Randy Rev, Henpecked Henry and Leah are out in the woods uh, when a mad cow-headed boy jumps up and scares the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. This is very like the imagery from that Leatherface movie. Yeah. Like the kind of second last Texas Chainsaw one. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. Um, they shoot this being, um, and I think like a bunch of parts and fly up into the air, and then when they go over there, it's just the cow's head bleeding with its tongue hanging out. Mm-hmm. Um, and the aftermath of this, though. The Rev's sort of starting to lose his shit at this point, so it's starting to lose his grip a bit, and he can accidentally let slip that he was responsible for the burning of Leah's mother, as opposed to just rescuing the girl. Yeah. It was made out before that his um, mother was being burnt, and he swooped in and saved the child, but clearly it is now apparent that he was the one that had orchestrated the Oh, fucking evil bastard. Because he's a son of a bitch! Um, Leah overhears this and then kind of pulls a vanishing act. Um, back at the camp, Maid Marine's about to leave with Fanny when the dirties attack. That's what I had called the unwashed, but the unwashed is much better. Uh, again, the visual effects aren't brilliant at this point, so that yeah. they kind of give this idea of the the unwashed kind of either vanishing or teleporting or something but it's basically just kind of scene splicing so they are they're there one minute and they're gone the next <laughs> but again early 80s and like you say film made on a budget it's not as if it's not a big budget throwing millions <laughs> at it or anything like that you know so again i i am okay with that um and it's it's done quite well because it's a very chaotic scene of smoke there's people running about in that these kind of visual effect failings are interspersed all through that so it's not like you're just watching one massive scene of shit effects yep. you know it's kind of disguised if you like or diluted by other things going on in the scene so mm-hmm. they knew their kind of weaknesses if you like yeah. and come up with creative ways maybe not completely around it but to, to lessen it yeah know? to hide as much as possible yeah 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 and I, props to them for that kind of thing um, during this henpecked Henry takes a sharpened bone to the neck Nasty. Uh, and then it looks like the unwashed basically just pelt them with the contents of their bin for about the next <laughs> five minutes um, and then the old lady in the camp she gives up basically kind of wanders out and she's taken over with some nude unwashed and I've written here for the world's least erotic four-way <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no oh can you imagine the hair though <laughs> um <laughs> the wee native child takes the other two kids or tries to take them at this point but Leah stops her then big maid Marion jumps in <laughs> just sitting there the wee girl goes full blackface um, <laughs> and then so basically she then turns to this creature that Leah had seen yeah and then she she gets the fuck out of there but then big maid Marion shoots her and she just spontaneously explodes and this causes a chain reaction and all the other naked bitches just blow up as well it's the spare Honestly, they couldn't have fought it for one flying detached titty just <laughs> arcing gloriously over the walls of the fucking camp. Oh, anyway. And I'm just sitting here weird, but not uncool. Um, 
that Andy Rare spends the whole night, or the whole fight rather, just praying in his nighty. Um, Useless is what he is, Baz. He's not a sympathetic character, as to be said. Uh, hold on. Just while I fucking force back the waves of weariness that are affecting me. I apologise for yawning uh, about an hour into the first episode of this fucking series. <laughs> We're getting old, guys. We're getting old. Uh, As soon as we've done this first movie, by the way, we're stopping and I'm going to make coffee. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, After the battle, Maid Marion just lights out with Fanny and another wee kid and a donkey and says he'll come back for the others. On the way out, Brenchy's his ex-wife. She's now back to wanting the rough D. Randy Rev's raging... uh, and then I've just written here that it's too late because the cuckold has become the BBC. <laughs> and I ain't talking about the British Broadcasting Company. I know, no. right, I get it, I get it. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Yes. I'm talking about Big Bazcock. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. They climb a <laughs> they climb a tree just before the mighty bush turns up, uh, and then basically proceeds to like give birth to one of the unwashed directly mm-hmm. below them. Uh, despite having witnessed this, they still manage to fall asleep up the tree, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then they drop a box on the mighty bush then pushes them out the tree and then tries to drown Marion in a puddle. Um, the two wee girls are left alone, so they then head back to the camp. Mm-hmm. Which is now like a scene from the movie Alive, but with less snow. <laughs> uh, one of the kids has a kind of trippy dream at this point, and we see Leah like a kind of winged fairy type mm-hmm. creature almost. So this is obviously now the the emergence of her as this queen of the forest type thing that we heard uh, at the start of the movie. Um, where are we? We are there. The old, old henpeck Henry's looking fucking rough. <laughs> and then he dies. Uh, and, and the Randy Rev is looking more and more like a, an embittered virgin. 50-year-old spinster at this point. He does. He looks like that auntie you couldn't be fucked. Oh, God. Auntie Veronica coming in. I had one, um, my granddad's sister. And, um, I fucking hated her. And it didn't help that, honestly, she could never remember, she didn't deliberately, she could never remember my name. So she would always, like, whenever she was speaking to my granddad or speaking to my mum, she'd be like, and how's Barry getting on? Oh, he's getting on okay. And how's Graham doing? Oh, Graham's doing fine. And how's the other one? (laughs) (laughs) Fucking shit you not. So she could remember the oldest one and the youngest youngest one. one. Yeah, middle child. one in the middle. Not at all. She could remember my cousins, she could remember everyone else, but there was always the pause. And how's the... The other one? Bitch. <laughs> For stuff like that, she's burning in hell right now. So. My grandfather used to call me Kath. 
Gaff. Ah, ah. He just used to fucking go through all the names in the seat. <laughs> but more often than not, it was Kath or Gwen. Right, so Kath is his daughter, my mum's yep. sister. And Gwen is my big sister. Yeah. Could you not even pick one of the guys, Papa? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, one of, one of the males in the family. Half of them are called Jim, including yourself. Could you not just have called me that? I mean, it's my middle fucking name. <laughs> I love my papa though. I don't care. He can call me whatever he wanted. Um, oh. 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 Uh, the, the, the old, uh, the oversexed maw at this point decides she's leading the rest of the women folk out the camp. Mm-hmm. And the Randy Rev is left there on his own talking to a skull, uh, which in the absence of the gunshot palm I'm fairly sure he fashioned into some kind of primitive fleshlight. <laughs> Maybe using the eye socket. Um, and then at, that, that, at night then, the unwashed come from him and he loses his mind and basically shoots himself off camera. Uh, Maid Marion now lives in a tree root with the mighty bush. Yep. Uh Leah appears to speak to him telepathically, telling him how to defeat the witch because she's after the kids. There's a big fucking explosion. Oh, we were saying, turn the wings against us. <laughs> turn the way. Try to turn the wings against us. <laughs> Shut your face, you live in a tree root now, mate. You know how much you like to stand on here. You know what you want to offer these kids. You know what I mean? Other than centipedes. <laughs> There's a big explosion. Maid Marion and the bush are now out of the tree route and fighting with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leah's just running about with her tits out, babbling like a fucking loon at this point. <laughs> um, down at the river, the older two women, so like the mum and the mewling shrew, seal Fanny and the kids into a wooden crate and send them off down the river to try and escape the unwashed who are now horsing down catch them uh, and, but then Leah Lee eats a wee frog out the witch's mouth and every cunt dies yep consumes them, but whatever. consumes the power of the frog I don't know I don't know it's, honestly it, it's like that really shit storyline in Game of Thrones that oh. turned out to be the fucking the one that became the king at the end oh what the three eyed raven thing Aye, that bollocks. Nobody cared about any of that. Especially no after the big fat guy died. Oh, hold on. Oh, no. Why would you bring that back? Hold the door. Tugging at the heartstrings here, Baz. Fucking door. I'm fairly sure he drilled a glory hole in it. (laughs) Um, That guy is a fucking (laughs) seven foot DJ. (laughs) Aye, the actor, man. That's right. Um. He's probably going to turn me into his glory hole if he hears this fucking podcast to be playing. Later on, Maid Marion comes wandering uh, down to the river uh, and just starts fingering his ex-wife as the kneeling shrew looks on wistfully. And so the Mormon church was born. As a wee polygamy joke for those of you out there that like that kind of thing. <laughs> oh fuck! 
We then come full circle back to the start of the movie. Fanny's recounting the story of the cabin full of potential French rapists. <laughs> the rapist in chief does not believe the story. Uh, I mean, in fairness, it does seem a little bit far-fetched. It's a bit fucking mental, but then Leah appears to the wee girl in the flames of the fire. And then a soldier steps forward to take him away. And his eyes go the same way as the wee fucking dirty folk. The credits. And I will say, I could have done without that last bit with the soldier in the eyes. I just felt there was no need for that. Uh, well, they, I, mean? I think the insinuation is that they didn't escape. Because the soldier's to take them back to where it happened. Yeah. So yeah. the soldier is essentially possessed by the demon to take them back to the place that they were supposed to be consumed by the unwashed. Yeah, yeah. And that, my friends, is the end of Eyes of Fire. Right, Baz. Um, yeah. Thoughts? I loved it. It's great, isn't it? It's yeah. a great fucking movie. It's a really, really good film. Um... See when they're fucking remaking some of the fucking bollocks that they're remaking. Because yeah. you, you could do something very special with this with mm-hmm. modern effects and that. That being said, this is more than worth a watch. It's a really good movie. Um, you feel like you are in the time. You know, yep. it, it pitches that revolving gun thing aside. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it does, it takes you right back. You know, it, lot of reverence paid to the attention to detail and stuff like that. Uh, you know, and I'm not talking about the kind of budget that the witch had. Oh, God, nowhere near uh, that. Yeah, nowhere near that at all. Um, it's uh, it's mostly a woodland kind of river setting, which, you know, my feelings on movies like that. I just mm-hmm. love them. Um, I There is a lot of that kind of thing comes out of Native American, you know, the Native American... Folklore was full of stories of you know creatures. Yeah, like literally skinwalkers. Skinwalkers yeah, exactly. are yeah. Anyone um, that's read anything that skinwalkers is fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um, so clearly based on you know kind of genuine folklore, if you like. Yeah. Um, for the most part, it's acted pretty well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if any of them went on to have huge careers. But Andy Rev looked familiar. I'm fairly sure I saw him in other things, although maybe not for a good A weird, years, a weird really. detail here that, that pops up in part of the trivia. Um, the guy who plays Jill Buchanan is Rob Paulson, right? Okay. Jill Buchanan, we hear this. Uh, this is his only... He's mate. henpecked Henry, by yes. the way. Wait hear this, though. Wait hear this. He's the only. He, this is his only major live-action role. He later gravitated to voice acting and became better known as Pinky from Pinky in the Brain. Fuck me in the smelly bits. Is that true? <laughs> That's true. hundred percent oh, true. Wow. So there you go. And he also he also did Yakko from the Animaniacs. About the same time. Bizarro. There you are. Bizarro. Um, no, I, I think this is a great film. Um, I really do. Uh, yeah, just got a lot of time for it. It, it. It's only failings, I think, come in terms of some of the visual effects and stuff yep. like that. And like I say, one, you know you're watching a 40-year-old film anyway. Yes. Um, you know, it, it's nice to watch. It, it, it's not painful to watch by any means, especially this rendering that's up on Shudder. Um 
so you don't expect brilliant effects. Yeah. And like you said, they did all they could to lessen the, the kind of impact of that with just some of the kind of smart techniques they used. Um, yeah. the, the visuals of the trees were brilliant. I love that. Absolutely brilliant. I um, loved it, yeah. That was really cool. And we, weirdly, even the, the kind of witch character, if you like, um, some of the shots when it was prone, like when it was lying in that kind of bog, giving birth, yeah. looked absolutely bitch. It was more when it was kind of running about in the woods after people, it looked a little kind of comedic. Yeah. Um, yeah, you do need to be able to kind of push that to the side a bit. I didn't find it particularly hard, and normally things like that kill films for me. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. I do struggle with that. Um, that being said, when it comes to folk horror, kind of some of the best ones I've seen, The Wicker Man being the standout, mm. they are old movies. Yes. Um, and folk horror, I suppose, even if it's set in modern times, is harking back to an earlier time. It just yeah. lends itself to this. It, yeah. It's the type of film that doesn't bother me. Had they tried to do, I don't know, paranormal activity and they look like this, you'd love that's, that's dog shit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> the the type of film where it's shot and the, the story and the, the nature of the movie, I, yeah, you, you can forgive so much. And I, I really like this film. I, I would happily go back and watch this film again. Maybe yeah. not, you know, right away. But, um, it's certainly a film I would go back to and would recommend to, mm. to other people, um, especially if, if you like <clears throat> folk horror. If, if you hate folk horror, don't go and watch this film. Yeah. You won't enjoy it, right? If you like folk horror, or if you've never really seen any mm-hmm. and want to kind of dip a toe in it, maybe outside the big hitters, I, I would certainly check this out. Yeah, I uh, think um, it has a, a, ton of, a ton of things going for it. That just so so you only saw this recently then yeah so I saw it the end of last year yeah it's the only movie I've seen from the box set and the only reason I watched it was the buzz at the time was that this was the kind of flagship movie in the box set that everyone like everyone was excited for because it was finally getting this Blu-ray release Um, so I I prioritised that watched it and um, loved it the first time I saw it I thought you know it was really really cool. For a lot of the reasons that we've already covered, I you know like I can see clever filmmaking here on a fucking non-budget. Um, I like the I like folk horror to me is, and we're gonna get to it when when we can ground it to different traditions, different folklores, and all the rest. That's when I get excited. I don't just want to watch, you know, the Wicker Man set and. America or you know I, I want to see something different and the kind of Native American road to go down I think is really interesting um, I think you mentioned when we were driving on the car up to Aviemore you look at that I'm surprised there's not been more like stories shot from a Native American perspective uh-huh. about like folklore uh-huh. and demons and the and I'm with you on that one it feels like a very fertile ground um, yeah. 
So I'm surprised very much like yourself. I mean, obviously the big one at the moment would be something like Prey, the new Predator movie, uh, which is set. Uh, yeah, I've not checked that out yet, actually. I really liked it. It me greatly. Yeah, it, it I, I thought it was really greatly. good. I thought it was really good. But, like, there's, the, you know, there's an idea there of what they mention specific spirits and all the rest that they think it might be in that. And I'm like, there's, it's, it's a cool set and it's a cool time period for sure. Um, yeah. But, like, on top of that as well, it's an hour and a half, and it never feels slow. No, no, And it's a laboured movie. Like, we are travelling slowly on a river. We're travelling yeah. slowly to a house. We're trying yeah, yeah. to set up the... So these are not quick events, but at no point do you, like, clock watch or lift your phone or anything like that. It's, it keeps you engaged very much like yourself. The acting isn't of a high, high calibre, but... It kind of works. There's a kind of almost at times a made-for-TV feel, which I also think the movie has, which I think is kind of cool. You know, it kind of oh, fits yeah. in with that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's what kind of made me... Reminded me at times of those kind of old Stephen King, like, made-for-TV, like, adaptations. It's kind of in, in, in a similar realm to that. But overall, I think it delivers a great story, a cool ending... Um, and and kind of captures that the uh, folklore and mythology in a really really smart way, and then you like like you say yeah there's some bad CGI effects, but at the same time the stuff that you see with the practical effects, especially the stuff to do with the trees, is fucking brilliant. So um, yeah, I, I thought this was great, and I was wondering how it would hold up on the second watch. I loved it just as much on the second watch. I think it's a, yeah. I think it's a really good movie. Um, shall we do this? Shall we, shall we ask for a score, Maz? It's one through five. One is hated. Yes. Two yes, didn't like it. Three has liked it. Four has really liked it. Five has loved it. Point fives are allowed. What buzz are you giving Eyes of Fire? Uh, I think I'm quite happy giving Eyes of Fire a four. I'm with you. I really like it. I really liked it, yeah. Yeah, good movie. Definitely yeah. a good movie. Nice. Fours coming out from the lads. Get your fours out for the lads. Fours. Uh, there we are. Uh, there was... Uh, no, can't even do it. I was trying to think of a clever clucking way to get through this in there. There isn't one, Maz. So let it die, Duncan. Just let it die. <laughs> um, <laughs> good film to start the series with as well, I think. But this means if the listeners were listening to the... Wait one second, Maz. They listened to the opening of the show. That means your comments weren't about this movie? Or were they? Time will tell. Ladies and gents, no, we're... No, they weren't. No, they weren't. <laughs> totally weren't. I changed my mind, Duncan. Um, ladies and gents, we have a main feature to get to. It is an icon of horror cinema. We're going to be doing Phantasm from 1979, kicking off our five-part retro on the franchise. We're going to take a short break. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear Bazzi's curated track for Phantasm. When we come back, we are reviewing the movie, and we're doing it right after this. <laughs>
phantasm, the delusion of a disordered mind, a phantom, a spirit, a ghost. For nearly four decades it has been contained, but evil always has a way of breaking free. Tommy's gone. <laughs> it's hard to believe. It was a good idea not to let your little brother come to the funeral. Hey, I don't like this place. Something weird is going on up there. The funeral is about to begin, sir. What's wrong with you? There's something up there. I saw it. You got some kind of an overactive imagination or something? I know you're not gonna believe this, but these things were here. Oh, give me a break. Okay, I believe you. What we gotta do is lay that sucker out flat and drive a stake right through his goddamn heart. Gonna run that tall bastard straight down to hell. You play a good game, boy. But the game is finished. Now you die. Phantasm. Don't fear. And welcome back, ladies and gents. You've just heard the trailer for Phantasm. This one came out 1979, directed by the then, well, the then very young Don Coscarelli, who both wrote and directed this movie. It stars E. Michael Baldwin, Bill Thornbury, Reggie Bannister, Kathy Lester, Terry Calbus, Keith V. Jones... Uh, Susan Harper, Lynn Eastman Rossi, David Arntzen, um, uh, Ralph Richmond. We're going into the weeds here. So let's talk about Angus Scrim, who plays the tall man boy. Um, synopsis for this one, as listed on IMDb, is as a teenage boy and his friend face off against a mysterious grave robber known only as the tall man, who employs a lethal arsenal of unearthly Weapons. Yes. He employs a lethal arsenal. He has a lethal arse. Um, anyway. Anyway. Sorry. It's about as good as I'm going to get. Um, yeah. So, like, Don Coscarelli's early 20s when he makes this movie. And basically, that's insane. Right? But before we get into, like, all the comments that I know Baz is kind of like, this is going to upset Duncan. Um... Like he, he made this like almost pretty much self-financed, shot over weekends, uh, pieced it all together, did the whole thing, and, and it became a huge success, like massive. And Coscarelli hasn't made many movies. You would think like this guy, this guy would punch his ticket. That's See, him. sorry, you talk about Don Coscarelli. Yeah, I had never heard of him before this. Did, did we so, not? Did we, we? Did we not do John dies at the end? No. No. Did we do Bubba Hotep? No. Right, then you will never heard of him then. <laughs> so, 
There you go. Because it's not like he went on and made good fellas or anything like that. Then. No, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. He didn't. He didn't have the career that you would expect from someone who's. Let's put it this way: in the seventies, like a Wes Craven, for example. A Wes Craven does a movie like Last House on the Left, and then by fucking the mid eighties, he's doing Nightmare on Elm Street. By the nineties, he's doing Scream. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. There's a, a progression yeah. here. Coscarelli's power seems to be. And that he never really, it's weird, he never really, like, lived up to necessarily the full potential. I know some people are going to disagree with that, that you would expect off the back of a movie that was so well accepted by not only the horror community, by critics, and just by the box office. Um, You know, he's he's essentially from here, he does uh, Beastmaster in 82, um, does a music video apparently with Dio, which I didn't know he did. Um, but, it, you know, the, it's... His next, like, kind of wave of movies really are Phantasm 2, Phantasm 3, Phantasm 4, before he kind of spins off and does Bubba Hotep, which obviously that's the probably the bigger one of... Well, it's probably his next biggest one next to, to, to uh, Phantasm. And John Dies at the End, which, you know, both those movies I, I think are brilliant. He's... He's known for being a guy with a bit of quirky mind. He, he seems to be able to do things um, non-linear is the is the word that's used a lot with him. And especially as we go through this franchise, non-linear is going to become very important because we go all over the shop. Um, but yeah, this is like a movie made by a kid who just wants to make a movie. And that's kind of kind of exciting. Um there are elements in here that I was like wary before you even got it that I thought might cause some consternation. Specifically, it owes a lot to Italian cinema um, th- through the score, the, the use of... It actually feels like an Italian supernatural movie. Um, so yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't sure. I'm going to get into it. I I I know I'm not going to like this review. I know I've I've already I've already set myself up for it. I I would love to say generally I'll sit here and go. Yeah, but I can see where you're coming from. I I genuinely can't. (laughs) Like before you even say anything, I'm like, this movie to me feels it's kind of like in its own little bubble. Phantasm like the whole Phantasm thing exists. They're not great movies. Well, the sequels aren't great, but this one objectively. Is a great horror movie. This is horror. This is what horror is predicated on. And you're like that. Let me get on it, Duncan. So, with that intro set up, with like thousands, millions of listeners of podcasts under the stairs now, looking at her, she's going, did Baz not like Phantasm? Baz, the floor is yours. Please, please articulate to our dear, sweet, now shell-shocked listeners what you made of... Phantasm. Look at the smile. You can't see okay. the smile. The smugness. The Listen, smugness. This is your army of darkness moment, the police. <laughs> this is this is by the end of this you're gonna go like ah, this. this Listen, I did I didn't I didn't realise there was people out there that were always on the fence about Army of Darkness. I can tell you right now. Ain't no one on the fence with Phantasm. This review is the one that I've been waiting for for years when finally the internet turns on you. And they realise, they realise that I'm the one they should have been sympathising with all along. 
We shall see. <laughs> right. Phantasm. Um, I had never, obviously I'd never seen Phantasm, never seen any of them. I was aware of the movie um, mm-hmm. and it, it was a franchise. I didn't know how many films and stuff were in it. Um, but I was aware um, that it was a fairly well-regarded film, you know, quite famous in horror terms, I suppose. Um, and it did, when, when you brought it up, it did quite appeal to me because it's one of those ones I feel that I'm missing. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, the, the house movies, just things like that, ones I remember from when I was young that I've still not got around to seeing. Um, yeah. Unlike the many others that I have now watched. <laughs> So yeah, I, I was quite excited to see it, but I was fairly sure that I wasn't going to like it, and I don't know why. Went in, um, went in with the, went in with baggage bags. It's not how the old days I used to see. Listen, get yourself in the dark room, sit yourself down, clear your mind. Well, I was like, you're going in with bags packed. <laughs> What's happening here? What made you think that? Just out of curiosity, do you know, can you pinpoint what it was that you made you think you might not be on the same wavelength as this movie? Uh, no, I can't, to be quite honest. It was just like a feeling, and I'm going to be honest, I thought I was going to enjoy it more than I did. Oh, right. <laughs> Right, I'm, I'm going to get in. I'm, I'm going to ridicule it for an hour or so and then we'll, we'll talk about why it is awful. Right, <laughs> Phantasm. The first one, 1979. Don Coscarelli. Fucking fuck me in the smell, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it opens with a blonde chick, terrible eyeshadow, boning a dude. Yep. In the most unnatural position imaginable in a graveyard. Um, he ejaculates very quietly. Yep. And then she offs him with a knife that she had lying about before apparently turning into an old man. This is a strong opening. <laughs> I mean, this film literally opens into fucking... Right. I'll give props <laughs> where it's due. This film did not fuck around. It went straight to the bone. Yep. Uh... It's downhill after that. Oh, no. <laughs> right. Cuts to daytime. We're outside the Morningside Funeral Home. Uh, we've got a dapper young suited gent who's talking to a balding ponytailed sex offender. <laughs> who's uh, going to be uh, the main character moving forward. So you need to roll that back. <laughs> oh, God. Right. Did not know that. So I should say at this point I have still I've only seen this one at the point of recording this. I have not watched any further. Yeah. Um they're lamenting the demise of their trio, which is actually how they refer to it. Yep. Uh, after Tommy's suicide. So it looks like Tommy was this guy that was off in the graveyard. Uh Captain Blowdry then heads off into the mausoleum. <laughs> where he hears some weird kind of rodent like noises and he goes to visit the tomb of his parents. Right. Captain Blowdry is very <laughs> coiffured hair. Yep. And so much so that every time I mention this guy, he has a different nickname in this review. 
How fucking impressive is that? <laughs> it's been a while since that. I right. think the last one was A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night that had different nicknames every yeah. time around. So I'm looking forward to it, Buzz. We then meet a heavily coiffured street urchin riding a motorbike through a graveyard giving just zero fucks. Yeah, different time. Uh, oh. Well, not a different time at all. I I was young when this film came out, and I used to have to walk through a graveyard on. The, well, I didn't have to. I chose to walk through a graveyard on the way to school, and I would never even step on the, the grass, let alone ride a fucking dirt bike over it. Anyway, it tells you the type of people that are in this film. To be honest, um, he happens to notice a little Jawa sneaking about the gravestones. Oh, as a jo- There's two things that we're going to get into in this movie that are dele- directly ripped off from sci-fi classics. Yeah, Jawas. Yeah. Jawas. <laughs> and uh, later on we do the whole Fear is the Mind Killer from Dune. I've never seen Dune. Ah, but you know Fear is the Mind Killer. No, I don't. Flash I don't Gordon know. ripped off as well, like the box that you put your hand in. All right, no, I didn't know that was That's directly from June. Uh, and to be fair, oh, yeah. Star Wars ripped off June, so um, I know you, you probably don't want to hear that, but they, yeah, it did as well. So everything goes back. No, so I'm going to. I'm don't... just going to reckon that Don Coscarelli may have read Dune. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. Uh, he may have done because it felt. I think they even talk about giving in to your fear when I, when his hands in the box. I'm like, oh no, I must not fear. Fear is the man killer. No, um, none of this means anything to me. Um, so anyway, there's a wee Jawa sneaking about in amongst the gravestones, probably trying to salvage his dirt bike. Yep. To, to sell at the Toshi station or somewhere. Mm. Um, inside the tomb, old Admiral Hermus also sees a Jawa. <laughs> an, an extremely aggressive tall man tells him this funeral is about to start. The tall man? I put, well, that's not what I call him. <laughs> uh, now... I don't know what you do, but I don't want to... Just call him the tall man. Just, right, no, <laughs> they'll find him no, replace no. and just call him the tall man. He has another name now. <laughs> As does the wee kid on the motorbike, right? Yep. So... so <laughs> I'm trying to fuck about move my thing. Right, you're right. Um, we then cut back outside and the wee guy is now spying on binoculars like a little fucking creep, right? Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, there appears to be a bit of a street urgent urchin. Urchin. Urchin, that's the whiskey kicking in. Right, but he also likes to go a-peeping on the binoculars, which means he probably masturbates quite a bit. So we're going to call him Oliver Wrist. <laughs> that's right. Cause he wanks. <laughs> He's a dirty wee wanker. <laughs> right, so we're out in the grounds of the funeral home. Oliver Rist is spying on the funeral through binoculars, looking for chicks to masturbate over. Turns out he's the younger brother of Salon Quality Steve. He looks after him. Because their parents have died. Right. While he's peeping, he happens to spot angry Russ Abbott 
single-handedly lifting a polystyrene <laughs> Cannot call Russ Abbott. Can't call Russ Abbott. Can't call Russ Abbott. Think about it. I know. He is angry Russ Abbott. No, no. He is. No. He is. No. Admit it. <laughs> no. Admit it. <laughs> and I saw Russ Abbott live three times in Blackpool, so I should fucking know. Okay. Same tour or di- like different uh, years? Twice on the same tour, once a different year, and I also walked by him once on the Blackpool prom. Oh, eh? Close so to, yeah, I know what the genius looks like, and he looks exactly like this prick. But happier, because Russ Abbott was a good guy. <laughs> um... Oh, right, and so basically this angry Russ Abbott, he's lifting a polystyrene coffin into the back of a hearse because it's not a real fucking coffin. Oh, obviously it's not a real fucking coffin. <laughs> Oliver Rist wanders aimlessly until he comes to a ramshackle house that, that's either the headquarters of 70s kid detective crew, the Red Hand Gang, <laughs> who I think I have mentioned more than once on this podcast. It's a recurring, recurring theme here. Or possibly a loyalist paramilitary gang. <laughs> One of the two. Undaunted, young Oliver heads in. Uh, oh, God, I forgot about this. So he's, he's greeted by quite an attractive young blonde girl round about his age mm-hmm. who seems to know him. And then I've just written a note to myself here and basically at this point I was like, is this going to be one of these bits where we get like a weirdly inappropriate 70s underage hand job? No. Do you know what I mean? Because there was a thing back in the 70s, it was okay as long as the girl was older, didn't really matter what age the wee guy was. And I kind of thought that's where we're going. Turned out it wasn't. Right? No. Turned out it wasn't. Steered away from it. And that's absolutely not a disappointment in my voice there <laughs> because, you know, I'm a father myself. Um. <laughs> So, right, so basically, right, so she's gone to this house, there's a big red hand. Yes. On a fucking there's, there's black thing in outside. <laughs> this wee blonde lassie that he seems to know takes her Because he's there to see her grandmother. Yes. Who's an old blind lady in a wheelchair, apparently. Yep. And appears to speak through the girl. So, it's obvious she is some kind of sidekick, but the old lady doesn't say anything. She literally just sits there. And the girl will go like, Grandmother says... She can see your pee-pee. Or, you know, whatever it is that grandmother sees. Do you know what I mean? That grandmother. Um, the boy then says that he's found out that his brother is leaving. Yeah. And this this is the first time the filmmaking annoyed me. I'm like, where the fuck? And I actually had rewound it to go, how did I miss that? No, it's not before this. It's then immediately followed by a flashback, which isn't obviously a flashback at first. Uh, but we do get a flashback scene to find out when he found this out. So it turns out young Oliver Rist is also a time-served mechanic who carries socket sets in his pocket so that when his brother pulls up in his fucking Detroit muscle machine, mm-hmm. he can just leap out and start affixing it. Yep. And during an incident of that, he overhears his brother talking about fucking... Well, this all makes nope. sense at the end, so... Does it? Because the ending doesn't make sense, so... The ending totally makes sense. And it was this detail. Yeah, why why would he be fixing his car? What? Why would he be fixing his car? Car's broken. Why aren't his brother? 
Well, I don't know because I don't understand because the ending doesn't make oh, sense. Oh, dead! Right, this is see, this is tenebrae all over again. See, if this, if this whole film is a fucking dream, yes, it is. It clearly is. It tells you it is at the end. How I did you miss it. that detail? I fucking hate this film even more. It, like, you it, know what? I, I didn't miss it. I actually thought. No, it can't possibly all have been a dream. Well, because that would just be fucking. He shit. In, he's invading the dream, so to speak. But yeah, his his brother. Well, in fact, jumped ahead like like massively here. His brother died in a car crash, and he's in mourning about it. That's why he's fixing the car in his brother's dream. Well, his dream. That just makes this film worse for me. I'm sorry. It makes it so much better because they paid attention. No, it doesn't. <laughs> My sandwich! My nerves are refusing to do the next four. You're doing every single one of them, and this is the high water mark. <laughs> if you're tapping out just now, you are in for a long five weeks. That's exactly what I thought at the end of my first view of this. Right, the time's there, my cat. I don't even want to make the jokes anymore because it does not deserve <laughs> my jokes. Or my nicknames. <laughs> the old lady through the girl tells him not to worry, his brother won't leave him. And he then says he's worried about what he saw at the graveyard. Mm. We now then flash back to the graveyard where he's attempting to flee the cemetery on the bike, but he's knocked off by an unseen force that seems to come from Angry Russ Abbott. <laughs> Angus the old lady then uh, <laughs> play this fucking trick thing on him with the box that you were talking about. Then, he has to put his hand in to teach him to overcome his fear. Fear is the mind killer. And then after he leaves, they all laugh because they're all fucking at it. Ponytail the sex offender, <laughs> who interestingly <laughs> looks, he looks like a rapier version of the dungeon master from the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. I remember yeah. the Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. Right, I know exactly okay. what you're on about. Right, okay. So, anyway, him. He rocks up to Taylor Ferguson's house in a nice green truck, right? Which fits perfectly because it is the quintessential <laughs> nonce job. Isn't it? And he's got that weird white suit, bow tie thing going yeah. on with a ponytail with a male pattern ball. No child molester nice can play a suit. sweet guitar like this guy, though. Honestly. He just, he rocks up. The two of them then proceed to jam on their guitars on the porch yep. like they're fucking 80-year-old black men in the Delta. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's the weirdest fucking scene. And it, it, I'd written it, it was clearly just included because they found out that by happenstance that the two actors can play the guitar. Like, right, we'll have you jam it because it's shite. Psychic Cinderella visits the funeral home, opens a door, screams. That's the last we see of her. Fish. Psychic Cinderella. Yeah. God, I'm angry. God, I'm angry. Lance Corporal Pomade drives his muscle car up to a bar. Looking for some barfly poontang. Sits down next to this blonde woman. Less than 20 seconds later, he's convinced that he'll leave her so he can fuck her in a graveyard. It's a 
I have oh, written here bad skills in fairness, do you know what I mean? <laughs> bad skills. Creepy wee Oliver Rist follows them though, presumably so he can watch his brother have sexual intercourse. <laughs> Which is, again, fucking weird. Although it is a good job because it turns out that the blonde is the succubus chick from the opening fucking scene. Mm-hmm. She then proceeds to take her top off and old fucking Field Marshal Frosted tips actually <laughs> says wow when he sees her tits. Like he's never seen a pair before. In fact, even the first time I seen them, even I didn't go wow. You know what I mean? I may have fainted a wee bit, but I didn't fucking go wow. All of our wrists gets gets attacked by a rabid Jawa that's in the bushes, Will. Yeah. Probably marking his territory because he was going to pay the heat off it as well. Basically, <laughs> he then runs screaming past his copulating brother, who then proceeds to deliver the next three lines of dialogue with panties in his teeth. Mm. I'm not saying it's not cool, right, but <laughs> it needs mentioning. He then goes chasing after me all of her wrist. They have a remarkably calm conversation uh, with his incestuous peeping Tom of a brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, heads back to find Joanna Bumley, but she's gone. Joanna Bumley. Oh. Uh, and then I've just written here so all of her wrist can add cock blocking to his list of achievements. Uh, <laughs> although before that, he has a nightmare about Angry Russ Abbott standing over his bed. Hmm. Uh, the next day, Oliver Rist's just cruising around town, chilling out, maxing, relaxing, or cooling. <laughs> <laughs> when he spots Angry Russ Abbott. <laughs> I love this. This is my favourite line in this whole show, this whole episode. He sees Angry Russ Abbott stalking down Main Street like a sexual gunslinger. <laughs> At what time? A high pin! <laughs> That's right. It's like high noon, but with poon tang. It's high poon. <laughs> he stops, coincidentally oh, next to the ponytail, oh. uh, and then he just eye fucks the Oliver <laughs> wrist and then fucks off. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all have a risk back home in the garage. He's working on Vin Diesel's 900 horses. <laughs> That's a wee uh, Fast and the Furious quote for my peeps out there. <laughs> Car starts to shake though, and it falls on. Uh, and then when his, later on, when his brother gets smitty, blames the Jawas. So he hooks himself up with a sweet Bowie knife, mm. uh, which keeps an ankle holster which is always cool. Uh, and then he heads out into the night for some graveyard action. <laughs> I'm bored with this already. I hate this film. I fucking hate this film. Breaks into a funeral home through a cellar window. He's creeping about the coffins when he's disturbed by a young crazy Ralph yep. who it turns out works for a angry Rasabbat. It's the caretaker. Yeah. Uh but he hides in a coffin and he's nearly discovered but just as he's about to get glory hold into another dimension mm-hmm. um, angry Russ Abbott turns up and Crazy Ralph just leaves fucking waste everybody's time it's not a waste it's everyone's time. time yes 
You don't waste everyone's time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all of this, he's wandering about the mausoleum, right? And he's attacked by this wee floaty ball thing to the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> as, he, as he tries to run away, though, young crazy Ralph leaps out, grabs him. They struggle. We Oliver breaks free just as the ball comes back. Then we blades pop out. Boom! Yep. Stick, sticks into Crazy Ralph's head. A drill bit comes out, drills into his head, and then this causes the wee ball to ejaculate streams of blood out its arse. How you can't like, like this? A, I don't like know. a less sexy milk enema video. Fucking lo- oh, Jesus Christ. Oh. That's right. I went there. <laughs> I, I juggled this. about with some two girls, one cup no. action there, and then we went with milk too thick. It's too thick. It's too thick to be two girls. That was my thought as well. Yeah. <laughs> too much time together. We must have spent a long time on a car journey going to Aviemore. <laughs> we've, totally, we've totally fucking synced up. Talking about fecal matter. Um, uh, the, uh, hats off to Coscar Welly at this point. Um, the the, the the less than stellar visual effects at this point. However, he does have enough attention to detail that when you see Crazy Ralph's dead body on the floor, you do get the expanding puddle of piss, mm-hmm. which is which is overlooked in most films, yep. and I like that. One of two things that I like in this film. <laughs> so you've reached the second thing you like because the first thing was it open with shagging. That's exactly right. That's one hundred percent. There's nothing beyond this. Nope. It's as good as it's going to get. And then, then I'm going to get to the end, and you're going to realise I never got the film in the first place. Uh, apparently not. Right, angry Ras Abbott appears in the corridor, looking like a child molesting butler. Um, he chases all of this. He gets his hand caught in the door. <laughs> which we all are in, cuts his fingers off with his boy knife yep. and the piss bright yellow paint for some unknown reason. That's because he's not human. Uh, the fingers, though, they drop to the ground and they continue to move about like wee vibrators that haven't been switched off. <laughs> um, we all are this gets the fuck out of Dodge. Haircut 100 finds him sleeping at the bottom of the stairs with a shotgun, which he doesn't find half as fucking terrifying as he should, to be quite honest. <laughs> America did. <laughs> That's the Second Amendment. Yeah. It's fucking mental, is what it is. Um, yes, it's amendment. We can't change it. Yes, you can. Yes, guess what? Guess yes. what? Like, see, the word amendment means that you literally yeah. can amend it. And you've already done it before, but we remember the fucking yeah. Volstead Act. Well, well, Fuck up, America. You, you're well, idiots. You, ha- you have literally done it before because this was the second time you did it. Eh. <laughs> uh, he only Risto wakes up uh, and then shows him a box in which he's got one of the wee moving fingers, although it's sitting in some mango puree for some reason. <laughs> uh, His brother never believes a, him, though. His brother believes there's something weird uh, going on. As an aside, though, oh. I, I did kind of ponder exactly what mischief I could get up to if I had detachable fingers. <laughs> That's a story for another night. Learn to play piano. That's good. Uh, that's not what I thought. you're going. Uh, <laughs> oh, I fucking hate this bit. They, they decide to go to the cops. 
Yep. When Oliver Rist opens the box, he's attacked by the worst-looking fake monster fly I have ever seen in my life, and I have seen two. It's, if it makes you feel any better, Coscarelli does Bubble Hotep in the mid-2000s, and the flying creature in that is, a, I think, it may be the same design. <laughs> Fuck's sake. I like it. I did think it was quite funny. You see the two of them trying to wrestle the fly, which obviously is now wrapped in a jacket because there's nothing there, and they're just throwing it all the Yeah. It's the cheapest effect scene I've ever seen in my fucking life. <laughs> Awful. However, the ponytailed paedophile turns up at this point <laughs> and talks about the kids getting out of summer school. <laughs> like nailing the coffin, do you know what I mean? So we had we had colonial and cigar and then we've got pedo cigar. <laughs> Well, see, I, I then found out his name's Reg. It's Reggie. A quintessential sex offender name. Look at my He is a fucking ice cream seller called Reg. I literally just fucking spat beer all over myself, you dick. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. Anyway, thankfully, the monster fly realises that Reg is a fucking wrong and so he crawls back out the waste disposal studio. But Brigadier Buffon stabs at his death in the, in the sink. <laughs> Unfortunately, the fly doesn't kill anybody. The three of them are still alive at this point. Major Mullet heads to the funeral home where he's attacked by a... <laughs> where he's attacked by a jabber on stilts. Yep. Uh, Bites him off, shoots him to fuck. Uh, jumps out, uh, sort of tries to run off, but he's pursued by a car. Another car turns up with nobody driving. Mm. Nope, turns out it has been driven by somebody, but they are so young they can't see over the dashboard because it's we all have a wrist. Um, they are pursued by the other car, which also appears to have no driver, tries to run them off the road. Captain Flippers lets rip at them with a 12 force shotgun. Uh, causes the other car to crash. Mm-hmm. They go back, find one of the Jabbers impaled in the driver's seat. Pulls back the Jabbers hood. It's zombie Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> With mango puree leaking from his mouth. But weirdly, fucking Captain Haircut thinks that it's, or realises it's actually the dead graveyard shagger from the greatest opening scene in cinematic mm. history. Better yeah. opening scene than Saving Private Ryan. I'm just putting it out there. Just putting it out there. Bridge the ponytail pedo, swings by to pick them up. Uh, and then back at the house, and I'm not sure which house it is they go to, but regardless, uh, he gets surprised by that old black lady from the Tom and Jerry cartoons. Oh dear, I can do um, an impression of that in my note, don't I? Well, to make matters worse, I'm fairly sure Reg is fucking her. Um, <laughs> now, I, I will admit, right, I, I was running out of hair puns at this point. So, uh, Drill Sergeant Dracar Noir. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you get a wee splash of cheap aftershave at the hairdressers, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Somehow he has deduced the angry Russ Abbott is crushing the dead bodies down to the size of Jabba's and then reanimating them. Yep. And then fucking paedophile Pete wants to kick 
and probably pound some ass. <laughs> um, now, at this uh, point, general general just for men. <laughs> Foolish. <laughs> he rather foolishly tells Ponytail the paedophile to take his younger brother on his own in a car to some random fucking antique shop where he will be safe in the company of two women that we have never met before. Um, there is absolutely no way he got to that antique shop unmolested. I'm sorry. Anyway, he starts rummaging about in the antique store um, and because apparently he's staying the night there. Yep. Uh, and he finds an old photograph of uh, Angry Russ Abbott driving like a kind of funeral hearse, but it's a horse and carriage, implying that he's really fucking old. And then mm-hmm. I've written here, the photo's alive! Um, I mean, which it then ripped off, but that's fine. Oh, yeah, yeah. I get that reference, actually. Yeah. Oliver Russ then forces these really hot chicks to drive him home. Which is ironic, considering he spent the first half of the film as a peeping tom. <laughs> now he's literally locked in an antique shop with two busty hot blonde chicks, and he wants them to take him away. Yep. Uh, on the way home, though, they come across Reg the Nonce's ice cream truck on its side. Mm-hmm. So they make a bold decision to reenact that scene from Jaws, where Dreyfus finds the abandoned <laughs> fucking... Jesus. It's the same scene, man. I'm telling you, it's the same scene. Even when the wee guys try to get into the fucking car, it looks like a diver. Oh, honestly. Jaws only came out four years before this, so. And Cosker smelly fucking ripped it off. And all that did was make me want to watch Jaws. Um. Lee Oliver Rist goes in the back of the truck to find him Oscar Smelly. Oscar Smelly. <laughs> such a such a fucking a, a playground. <laughs> Six year old insult to throw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, tell me when you see him going in the back and opening the wee hatch, you're not expecting a one eyed head to roll out that fucking hatch. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's an effective scare. But all he finds is a wee puddle of mango puree. Yeah. Pish. <laughs> anyway, he runs back in the car. Car gets attacked. The girls get jawa banged. Jawa banged. And he gets thrown out the rear window. So he runs home, sucks down a bottle of beer, which I'm fairly sure is illegal for somebody his age. He had a shotgun earlier on, though, but... That's true, but it's America. America! You can shoot, but you can't drink alcohol. No, God God forbid, no. Alcohol's bad, Baz. Yeah. Brigadier Brill Cream vows vengeance. <laughs> but he locks... Uh, he locks the Oliver wrist up in his room for his own protection. And he does so by jamming a screwdriver into the door. Doesn't work, but... Cause the well, exactly. Exactly. I've written it the wrong way. So literally all that Oliver Rist has to do is open his door, the screwdriver will fall to the ground, and that's the end of that. It's the worst <laughs> fucking mistake I have seen 
So it's that tourniquet scene. I knew you were going to mention that, you motherfucker. Instead of just opening the door, he MacGyvers it mm. with a hammer, some sellotape, and a shotgun cartridge that he just happened to have lying about. Miraculously, this doesn't fucking lose one of his arms. Um, <laughs> he goes to run out the front door, angry Russ Abbott turns up, grabs him up with remarkably little resistance, mm-hmm. as to be said, especially given the fact that he's got 45 automatic in his pocket. Yes. Which then begs the question, why did he have to jimmy the fucking door just with a shot, hammer yeah. and a shotgun? This film sucks. You suck! <laughs> he then shoots out the tyres with the fucking fully loaded gun he has in his pocket. Yeah, oh, I've lost my place again. <laughs> Causes it to crash and he explodes. Mm-hmm. Both of the brothers are now at the funeral home again. The wee floaty ball thing puts in another fucking appearance that Lance Corporal Lotion takes out with a simple shotgun <laughs> blast. Now, having never seen the film, yeah. I always thought that the wee floaty ball was really the star of the show, even more so than the tall man. No, they're controlled by the tall man. Yeah. They're fucking shit though, aren't they? They're this fish. Is, this is the first iteration. Right. What, the fish one? How is it push? <laughs> Should it be a shotgun? Bang, gone. Explodes like a pool ball. Right, but like, but let me put it this way. Surely it's magic metal that can make its wee fucking sticky arrow bits come out. Like you sit and you watch a zombie movie though, and if a zombie gets shot in the head, it dies, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah stand by my argument. You, you, like, you, like, you like the Freddy movie where they literally tell him to fuck off and he disappears. That's. <laughs> That's fine. You want me to pull up this? You want to keep pulling at this thread here? You you are using my arguments now, Matish. <laughs> That's when you know you have lost. <laughs> no, I'm using your arguments of when you were saying something was kind of. I kind of like this. I'm like, yeah, no, this I'm, is clearly shit. Just, just put it It's a bit anticlimactic. Reg the nonce makes a surprising return, though. Right in time. Claims to have rescued a bevy of hot babes. He absolutely raped every single one of those girls while they were unconscious. <laughs> oh, and then the film fucking shits its. It does not shit itself. Your pants. You you clearly you clearly were too busy. You want a big rule with your baggage full of black barrels. Yes. Barrels are full of Jawas. Yes. Oliver Rist also finds two poles, which apparently are some kind of portal. Yep. He gets sucked through into another dimension, sees lines of Javas on a forced march, like the innocent British soldiers at the hands of the Japanese <laughs> during the second Oh, for fuck's sake. Somehow he gets tossed back into the White Room again, where he quickly manages to deduce, despite the fact he's 12, and has spent most of his fucking childhood studying mechanics. Yep. That, uh, in fact, the Jawas are small because of the gravity in the other dimension. Squishes them God down. fucking spare us all from Squishes this Squishes them down. That's a smart... That's a smart... That's essentially, Baz, why we shrink as adults. The lights go out. Oliver Risk gets attacked by a Jawa. When they come back on, Veg the Nonce uses extensive knowledge of tuning forks to tamper with the portal. 
He ends up nearly getting sucked in, but unfortunately escapes. Yeah. <laughs> Outside, he finds a graveyard hooker who stabs him. Thank fuck. The brothers are frantically searching for each other in the middle of a hurricane. Uh, they find each other, but they're too late to save Reg the nonce. So they take off like a right pair of fucking cowards. Special Agent Split Ends concocts a plan to some to somehow throw angry Russ Abbott down a disused mine shaft. When he's preparing the potential crime scene, Oliver Rist gets attacked at home. And we finally get the famous Boy! Boy! I've just written here he's still the least frightened horror villain since Bendy Adams Freddy. It doesn't need to do anything though. It has like an army of minions and other things that... So far we've seen one little floaty fucking ball. At the moment you've seen one little floaty ball. You've seen one at the moment. I've forgotten where I am again. Fucking... All of a wrist runs off and faces down the graveyard hooker slash angry Russ Abbott is the same person yep. in the woods. Leads him or her back to the mine shaft, falls in the mine shaft, and a fortuitous rock slide seals him in. Is it Born fortuitous or was it pushed by his brother? His brother who apparently has been dead the whole fucking time according to you. He's not woke up yet, so... <clears throat> oh, he's not suck. woke up yet this is still technically in the dream and there's a clear point where he fucking wakes up so how you miss this is beyond me no I see, I see the bit where he wakes up right so this is still within the dream so it totally makes sense Bombardier back home stands triumphantly <laughs> at the top, top of the cliff Oliver Rist wakes up. <coughs> we see him downstairs talking with uh, Reg the Nonce, who apparently is now no longer dead, and he tells him it was all just a bad dream. Yep. There was no tall man. His brother died in a car wreck. Yep. And he says he'll take care of him now. I think we all know what that means. Uh, they decide to take a road trip. Uh, Nonce Reg gets the guitar out while we all in packs. Looks in the mirror. Sees angry at us, but we get another boy! And then he gets pulled into the mirror, and this fucking shit show finally ends. So, like, like once again, it. like, not that I want to labour this point, but Nightmare on Elm Street totally ripped off this ending. Yeah, but I think. Night- no, 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 before you go any further, Nightmare on Elm Street, it's all a dream. Everything's a dream, and she wakes up. And she goes into the car, and the car's driving off, and the mum waves, and then she's pulled through the fucking door. Like oh, a doll. Yeah, yeah. Totally ripped this off. Like, a hundred percent ripped off this ending. And you're I, fine I, with I, that. You no, are no, I, fine I get with that. that. You're no, fine with that movie. I you're not mean, fine with this. I would maintain, though, that Nightmare on Elm Street is a film that is about dreams. This is a film about a dream. Uh, but it's never mentioned until that very last scene. Because that's when he wakes up. But to me, it could also be fucking taken as... Uh, you know what? I don't know what. If, any, if anything, it makes more sense that it's a dream because of everything you've seen. You know what I mean? Like, you've seen, like, people change shape. You've seen flying balls that drill through heads. You've seen small jawas, portals to other dimensions. 
hands come out the ground, you know, like unex inexplicable things. To me, that totally makes it when he wakes up so, feel like a dream. You know right. what I mean? Like, so, wh wh when does the brother die? Brothers died before this movie started. Right, okay. So you, when you join this movie, you're in the dream. You're already in the dream. The brother is dead, right? Oh, oh I hate that. I, I, it's that, not, yeah. It's, it's this has honestly yeah. knocked at least a full point off my score for this film. I, I just don't, like, I, 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 I don't understand how it's okay in one movie, but not okay in this. Because the other uh, movie has dreams within dreams? Because you talk about the, dreams. The, the whole premise of the other film is around about dreams. This is up there with the fucking Bobby Ewing But thing. Right, but listen, but the whole the, right, the, you're saying the whole thing is predicated around dreams or whatever, right? In uh -huh. Nightmare on Elm Street, the entire movie is a dream. It's just they're talking about dreams within the dream. Yeah. So that that's fine as long as they mention dream uh, within the dream. You you can go. They with that. introduce you to the concept of dreams before the end of the film. Uh, but you don't like when you're Whereas, sleeping. You don't know this, the concept of the dream only comes in at the end, and that to me that genuinely is right up there with the fucking Bobby Ewing waking but up. The then they, but then, but here's the difference. So they introduce you to the concept of everything you've seen as a dream, thus lulling you into the fact that you think, well, everything that's happened before hasn't happened, until he closes the door, is confronted by the tall man, and then dragged away. Do you, under, do you understand? So, like, it's it's setting up a whatnot, everything. It's the, it's the carry thing. It's, oh, she's dead, she's in the ground, and then the hand comes up. It's the it's the setup of a, right, all the, all the horrible shit you've seen, all this weird stuff and all the rest, that was a dream, and now we're going to go away and live happily ever after on the road with the pedo, Right. And then he closes the door and then is confronted with the tall man. That he dreamt about? Yes. Oh. I don't know how you can... I honestly, I, I, I think you... I'm uh, not saying I don't get it. I, I, I genuinely understand. At the point that they can reveal, if you like, at the end of it, yeah. on my first and second watching... That went through my head, and I genuinely thought, no, that can't possibly That's be. That's 100% what it is. Right? No, I'm not saying it, is, it isn't. Yeah. I, I fully agree with you. Yeah. But to me, it doesn't was work. so ridiculous that I'm going like that. That can't possibly be right. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I. Oh, God. Yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I like nothing about this film. You, like, you, like, you watch the you watch Friday the 13th and she's on a boat in the water and the hand comes up and grabs her and pulls her in and then you reveal that's a dream. Fine with that. Yeah, I, like, I don't... I, 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 don't. I mean, and she I, I'll, I'll, I'll dream keep when she's reiterating this to me. The Nightmare on Street films are... The whole thing is about dreams. So when all this odd, weird stuff's happened, you know fine well it's a dream, but you know this has been controlled by somebody out with it. Now, when when you're saying that it ripped off this film, I will not disagree with that. 100% you know, ripped off this yeah, film. Yeah, And I'm kind of okay with that, but Nightmare on Elm Street did it far fucking better than this. 100% didn't. 100% didn't. It's like Nightmare on Elm Street has a shit ending. It's a shit ending because all the whole but thing... you just said the no, ending. Watch, watch. No, like, here's the difference. Here's the difference. Like... By the fact that it's pointing out a dream, it's a dream, it's a dream, it's a dream, all the way through it. 
by the time it's revealed as being a dream at the end, I'm like, oh, surprise, surprise, it's a fucking dream. Who could have guessed that? And this movie doesn't make mention of that, but logically, on paper, it has to be a dream. Like, when it, when that reveal comes out, to me, that makes sense because everything is so fantastical up to that point. Everything that's happened is beyond the realms of believability to that point that when he wakes yeah. up, that when it's revealed as a dream, I'm like, oh, that actually makes sense. This is this kid who in the movie is trying to fix his brother's car all the way through it after you find it. His brother died in a car crash, right? It's, it's his way of compartmentalising death. It's why the tall man keeps appearing, this idea of this malicious, like, mausoleum guy. This this idea of the afterlife, what might it be? Could it be, like, like this idea of his brother's body being corrupted or taken somewhere else? It's all this stuff that, to me, is, like, as a child trying to deal with death and when he wakes up and says like when he goes down he's like oh I've just had the worst dream ever I'm like that totally makes sense where Nightmare on Elm Street it's all about dreams all about dreams all the way through it so when you get that dream reveal at the end which by the way is still a dream reveal at the very end she's still technically asleep because that character comes back later on in the franchise she's, she's been asleep all the way through that entire fucking movie's a dream so fuck uh, that Fuck I you. Just, I fuck this shit. Think... No more Bazoween. We're pulling the plug in this motherfucker. We're not doing it next year. We're not doing it next year, Baz. I, I honestly just think the last two minutes just cheapen the rest of the film completely. I think this review cheapens the film. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I dread to think where this franchise is going uh, if, if you it, say that this is... It's, uh, it's not about dreams from this point onwards, buddy. That, well, that, that may be an improvement. Yep. It's not about dreams from beyond this point. In fact, the next movie moves... as <laughs> might actually put you off. The next movie owes more to Evil Dead 2 than it does... I like Evil Dead 2. Uh, yeah, you know, that was my favourite. Out with the remake, that was my favourite of the original three. Yeah, well, it, it, be, it, it goes more along that. It goes more along the fantastical, the kind of action, the... Uh. So it goes off in a different direction, but and it explains a lot of what you've seen, and we go back through a lot of what you see in that dream. So we're going to revisit or we we spin out the entire mythology. I think they do it clumsily, but they they because sometimes to me not explaining something is so much better than explaining it. Um, but yeah, we're going to go down that road. I don't I don't know I don't know. Hey, listen, let me put it this way. You've watched it. Tick it off the list. I have. On. I can tick it off. You that tick list. it off the list. You move on. You're about to deliver your heartbreaking score to all our listeners out there, yeah. which is a hundred percent wrong. But it's your opinion, and yeah, opinions are like arseholes. Um, Baz, <laughs> you, <laughs> you you know I'm I know gonna, that was you. That was just your way of calling me an arsehole. I would. Never, I know that, Duncan. <laughs> I would never do that, Baz. I'm not like that. It's only a movie. It's only a movie. Um, right, we do one through fives. One is hated it. Don't you dare. Uh, two is didn't like it. Don't you dare. Three is liked it. Never going to happen. Four is really liked it. Severely don't think it's going to happen. Five is loved it. I mean, I've got more chance of being pregnant in the morning <laughs> than than you giving it a five. Baz, I don't even want to ask this. Uh, what are you giving Phantasm? Don't bow to peer pressure. One. 
one. You hated this movie. Yeah. I up until we did this, it was a two. And honestly, you're arguing for that ending and me having to face facts that what I thought couldn't possibly be the explanation for this film because it would be so shit. Turns out it actually is. No, I, I hate this film. This is a five. Uh, I love uh, this movie. <laughs> I love this movie. This is this is the epitome of what I love about horror movies is the idea of the nightmare. And this See, captures it perfectly. Weirdly, the, you tagged me in a Facebook post today about this. Yes. And I happened to glance down at some of the other comments and one guy further down had said it was like, this is probably the best horror film of all time. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you're on the crack pipe, so. No, no, no. Listen, I'm telling you right now, you, you like, I imagine there'll be one or two, like, loose cannons in the Facebook group page that might stick their head up and go, I never really liked either, Baz, but universally this movie's loved. Um, I, yeah, so. I, I, well, I don't know if it's universally loved, but I, I'm aware that a lot of people like this film. That yeah. Talk about it. I honestly, I hate it's this the, film. I, I've said before, I like movies that, that deal in aspects of, probably because I don't dream, um, that deal in the aspects of dream logic and the way that dreams are delivered on screen. Um, when they're not done well, I'm, I'm, I usually get a bit nip, nippy about them, but when they're done well, like I would liken this movie in a lot of respects to something like Inferno by Argento like two years later um, one year later actually this is the following year um, of the idea of just how dreams work how things run non-linear how you can be thinking about something in a dream and then in that part in the your, your brain just puts you there so like the flashbacks in this the way things jump around the, you know all that is, is contextualised within the dream which you didn't like so I can't and I won't so we, we, we are going to bring this in while our friendship is still there. Um, <laughs> this is, I guess, the worst reaction I have ever seen from you. I, I, it's more the... It's more the and it's I, also the, we, the, the furthest apart, I think, we have ever Oh, been. we've never been a one in a five, ever, uh, in a million years. Uh, I don't think we ever will be again. Um, we're moving it, we're moving it to Tetra. I think you're going to end... You're going to be one of these weird ones that's going to end up scoring... Higher the, on the sequels, the which we, uh, yeah, I'd yeah. like our scores are eventually going to meet in the middle and then pass. <laughs> like, and yeah. by the by the end, you're going to be at a five, and I'm going to be at a one. <laughs> my, my biggest concern at the moment is where do I go from a one? <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, you very seldom go. I don't know if you've ever went below a one on this show. Point five, maybe, maybe. No, no, a zero is a fuck this movie. Yeah, a zero is a fuck this movie. I'm sure there'll be something I, somewhere. I've done we... it once at least. Yeah, but it was something. You know, it might have been Waspnado or something like that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, it was something along those lines, <laughs> or possibly even one of the later uh, wrong turn ones or something like that. Oh god, yeah, yeah, the one with the rape. Um, so <laughs> the one with all the rape ladies and gents we are going to take a final break on this episode when we come back we're closing out the show quickly because we are overrunning like a motherfucker uh, and we have more movies still to do in this franchise uh, that Baz cannot wait to get to and I have Yay. to I have to watch again so and some of those I didn't want to watch again uh, we're going to be doing that right after this <laughs>
You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been Bazaween 2022, episode number one. On this episode, we did Eyes of Fire and Phantasm. One down, four episodes still to go. An entire franchise to finish. And the next stop um, on our uh, our, um, our jaunt into the old uh, the old uh, folk horror bands. We'll see us travel all the way to Estonia for a almost I can't remember if it is two hours I got a feeling it is two hours black and white art house Estonian folk horror movie I thought that was really short this film is it not is it long I unless I'm thinking about the wrong I thought November went on for a while <laughs> I may be maybe wrong. I'm confusing it with mouse uh, let's just check November like we gotta get a facts right uh, on this motherfucker it was 2015 I believe uh, 2015 and Baz, for the listeners out there, uh, no. Uh, apparently it wasn't 2015. 2016? 2016. Uh, folk order. Here we go. And November's 2017. That's why it wasn't coming up. November has a runtime of 1 hour and 55 minutes. Oh, Lord. Two hours. Right, I knew okay. it was about that. So it's a two hour black and white Estonian fantasy folk horror movie that I can't wait to get into that I know Baz is going to love uh, and we're pairing it up with Phantasm 2 uh, which is like 10 years it's shot 10 years after the original um, and takes place right from when the first movie finishes which involves a lot of just for men <laughs> so, <laughs> Reggie Reggie lived in those 10 years if you know what I mean uh, so, <laughs> we're retconning things like a motherfucker um, oh, I can't believe Reggie's coming back man. he's the mate well he's the only oh, one alive he's the only guy. one alive what do you mean he's the only one alive he's the only one alive at the end of the first movie so you're saying that the wee fella dies when he gets dragged out of the mirror? Being dragged away in the mirror. I didn't say he was dead yet, but he's the only one there, Baz. He's the only one there. This movie will just play with things. You just At a certain point, you just need to roll with the punches, bud. You just need to go with You need to let it wash over you. Like... drunk. <laughs> well, let's get into that. So, first episode's down. We've got a movie that you thought was fucking great. A movie that you hated. Um... Yeah. We don't often get those disparities in movies on these shows. Uh, are you looking forward to, to, to swinging into next uh, next episode? And more importantly, now that you've watched Phantasm, is the fear setting in fully? Um, a little bit. Look, after my first watch, yeah. I was genuinely about like, oh, fuck, because we've got another four of these to do, and uh-huh. I, I have not enjoyed this movie. Um Whereas, with the folk horror stuff, the ones that kind of excited me were the more modern ones. Yep. Um, you know, the wailing and the like. And we started off with one of the older ones. Yep. Although not the oldest, but one of the older ones. And I really liked that. So that bode well. So I, I am very torn this year, I think. I am genuinely excited about all of the... Um, the folk horror ones yeah. uh, for varying reasons um 
I'm not saying I love them all as much as I maybe love this one, but I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty confident most of them will score quite highly. Yeah. Um, but I'm dreading to think where <laughs> Phantasm is going. But weirdly, I don't necessarily disagree with you in that I can see my scores possibly going up a little. Yeah. I don't know if there's going to be any high scoring ones in this franchise, but you I can possibly see them get up a wee bit with his I'm fairly confident all viewers are coming down just from what you have said. Yeah, 100%. Um, there's, the there's none none that get a five beyond this point and they all almost systematically go down from here for me. So I get a feeling we're going to meet at some point. Yeah. See eye to eye and I'm looking forward to I'm looking at steel ball to steel ball, Baz. Uh, we will we will meet. <laughs> we will meet. Um, yeah, I'm super excited to do this. As always, listeners out there, please check out the movies if you haven't. Um, and get in touch with us on Facebook. Like, let us know how you're getting on. And uh, if you agree with Buzz, I'm curious. If you agree with Buzz, I would love to hear from you. Um, I just don't think there's going to be many voices this time, did. Uh, however, it's not about proving who's right and who's wrong. It's about recording more of these shows and entertaining listeners. And we will be doing that in mere two days from now, ladies and gents, when we drop episode number two and then roll through the rest of this month delivering the goods for you guys out there. Now, on these episodes, we don't hit you with all the blurb and jargon at the end. There's no fucking point in doing that. Uh, we do leave you with a Bazzy's pick of music, which means you get three Baz songs per episode. Spoiled fucking rotten you are. But I always like to give the last word to the Baz. Baz, say goodbye to the listeners, please. Certainly shall. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed that, folks. I hope I have not upset too many of you <laughs> um, <laughs> any more than I've upset Duncan. Um, Banished. Chin back in for next week's shenanigans. You never know what might happen. <laughs> this is Doug McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs, and I am signing off.